The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? America, you've got a dog that needs walking. That's right, sunshine. Just put on a big pot of strong coffee and get ready to type your little hate mail with your opinions about Kumbaya and Flat Earth insanity. Stand-up comedy? You want stand-up comedy? Well, we got, well, we've got sit-down comedy. It's time for Coffee with a Dog. You make me laugh. No. No. Just no. That's my answer. I'm not doing it. It's too early. I'm going back to bed. The band is going back to bed. All right, I'm waking up. Oh, yeah. Good morning, folks. Well, it is. It's a beautiful morning here. Actually, it's not too hot. Sun's out. It's a beautiful summer morning. Today is Thursday, July 20th, 2023. July 20th, of course, um, an anniversary for sane people in America. (laughs) Of course, for insane people, they deny it ever happened. I'm talking about the moon landing, 1969. Uh, the year the Mets didn't suck. That one year, that, well, there were two years the Mets didn't suck, actually. Uh, but other than that, <laughs> they have sucked. Uh, speaking of sucking, <laughs> Jay Moranti, a Yankee fan. Well, the Yankees also uh, currently suck. They've been trying to imitate the Mets this year. That's what, what's happening. The Yankees are trying uh, to be more like the Mets and succeeding. Uh, which, except for the fact that they don't have the biggest, it used to be in the old days, the Yankees always had the biggest payroll. George Steinbrenner would be ashamed that Steve Cohen is outspending him for a losing team. (laughs) Anyway, baseball in New York, not a good year for baseball in New York, folks. I'm sorry, but Jay Moranti will be here, uh, in just a few minutes. And we're going to talk about the West Side Story and other things. West Side Story. Yesterday, caught this uh, thing on Netflix that I did not know existed called Rumble. And it's got a tagline to it that I forget because I'm old and stupid. Um, But it's all about indigenous people's uh, influence on popular music going back to the turn of the 20th century. Uh, And, you know, eye-opening for me. I did not realize how many... um, how many Native American um, 
performers, writers, players were all part of uh, of popular music, rock and roll, but beyond rock and roll, even before rock and roll, the evolution of popular music. Uh, it's really an eye opener, and I, I, I couldn't suggest it more. It was very enjoyable. Of course, one of my heroes, one of my biggest influences in music, Robbie Robertson from the band, is part Native American, Native Canadian, <laughs> Native North American. Uh, you, you know what? That I, it's not full-blooded, but he's still a uh, that part of that influence was part of his life, and he brought that to um, the band and uh, Americana. Americana, uh, oddly enough. Uh, big part of Americana, the genre of music, was shaped by a Native American. We don't think of that often. We think of, you know, African-American roots uh, music, and we think of some of the uh, European influence. We very rarely even hear about indigenous people's uh, influence on rock and roll. So it's a, a great documentary. I hope you enjoy it. Later on in the show... I'm going to be talking about a couple of uh, the latest Rogan clips that got me uh, interested, kind of uh, laughing at what's going on there. Of course, uh, last night, now I'm not sure if this really happened. This is this is how screwed up the world is. When I got up this morning, I was looking at headlines about a tornado in North Carolina, Rocky Mount, North Carolina. That caused a lot of damage, injuries, possible deaths. And that story has gone away. Why? Because we are so preoccupied with the political theater that's going on, uh, constant political theater, which if you're not exhausted by that, I don't know I don't know what you're made of because it is exhausting. Uh, and it's to the point where I am running for political office and not even talking about it. That's how exhausted I am with politics. But that has taken over like important stories. Like I have friends in North Carolina, and I don't even know if this story about it just seemed to disappear about a deadly tornado overnight or in the early hours of the morning here seemed to disappear. I don't even know if it really happened. Did I imagine it? News stories like that aren't supposed to just disappear. Um, of course, the most important story for anybody on the planet right now is that Jason Aldean, a shitty, and I can say this from experience. Siri just turned on when I said shitty. I said shitty, not Siri. A shitty country musician, a country singer, songwriter, uh, just not a not a talented guy at all. I basically made his living off of a empty cowboy hat. Um, he had a song called... Um, Tried that in a small town. Came out in May. He was him and his record company were expecting a number one hit. It flopped. It was flopping, and it's still not on the Billboard Top Forty. It is number one on Apple this morning. Apple's list of uh, top pop country bullshit songs. But it, it it's a flop. It's not. 
it's not on the Billboard Top 40, and that's the chart, folks. Uh, even with all the streaming services, you can throw out their individual charts and look at Billboard charts because that's what really counts as far as making money, and he's not in the Top 40. But he's getting there, and he's getting there because of this manufactured outrage. People are thinking, and, and both sides buy into this nonsense, by the way, and I hate to get all conspiratorial. Shut up, Siri. I'm not talking to you. I don't know. Siri all of a sudden thinks like she's part of the show and that she has had transgender surgery or she's got a uh, voice surgery or something because she sounds like a guy. Anyway, uh, both sides buy into this nonsense. The outrage was not started by people on the left, the woke mob, if if you will, if you want to use uh, Ron DeSantis' favorite word. Um, it was started by Jason Aldean's record company and management. And believe me, I know how this shit works, and I have some experience with these people, these people indirectly. They were thinking, well, how can we make this friggin' song a hit because it's not going anywhere and nobody cares about it? Well, I know what we could do. Start a cancel culture fake campaign, and then they put it out there that this video is racist and it by, promotes violence and all this stuff. And of course, the video has lots of anti-BLM uh, stuff in it and, and images of riots. And the left said, oh, yeah, it's just, uh, this is racist because Jason Aldean's management and record company told you to get outraged about the racism. So the left jumped on that. And then the right is pushing back. Oh, see, we can't let these woke people take over. CMT took the video down. I don't think CMT did that on their own. I think the record company asked them, please, get outraged by this. Take it down. Help us to sell Jason Aldean, whose career was over several years ago and is still trying to stay relevant. And, he, you know, let's face it. Modern country music. Somebody said this to me last night because they listened to the song. They said, I feel like anybody could do uh, the words are shallow. It's three chords over and over again. No real bridge, no real thought into the music production. They have nine writers getting royalties on this friggin' thing. And it's what all country music is today. Modern country music is beyond the simplest form of. McDonald's cheeseburger that you, and, you know, junk food, junk art that you can feed the hungry public and keep them getting new stuff. It's not quality art. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're in that genre, you know you're selling your soul. You're not really being an artist. You're being a um, production factory for low-calorie or high-calorie uh, fat, um, trans fat food of music. That's what it is. Not good stuff. And, and this is what Jason Aldean is all about. So, you know what? I, I hate to sound like I'm just like totally anti-Jason Aldean. I, I just think the guy is not worth this outrage. And it's like the most important thing on Twitter. People are just all like on fire about the supposed cancellation 
and it's manufactured cancellation, and people are falling for it both on the left and the right, just as uh, the plan should go. And it's taking away from me finding out about tornadoes and uh, people I care about. Nowhere. Nowhere. No coverage of it all. It's like it didn't happen. I don't know if it really did happen. Did I imagine it? I don't think so. Anyway, uh, so that's where we're at this morning. I don't know, uh, just a, a uh, brief programming note, and I'm going to keep doing it. This is something new I'm going to keep doing is, to, is these teasers about what's coming up in hour two to keep people, <laughs> especially the people on Rumble who are seeing this stuff, because I know, <laughs> I know the people on Rumble are more politically uh, charged and big part of the Rogan cult. I'm sorry. I'm using a very offensive language here today. Maybe you should cancel me. How about that? I, there is a petition to cancel me somewhere on uh, those petition websites, by the way. I started it. This is how I know about this stuff. Uh, I've been part of this marketing machine for years, and I understand that sometimes cancellation calls come from within the house because I've done it. For, I've done it for companies like uh, that. But anyway, so we'll be talking about Rogan. And there's two clips. They're kind of long. I don't know if I'm going to play them in their entirety. Two clips that got my attention about Rogan. And they're both about lack of self-awareness. One, he's talking with Tom Segura about people who feel entitled. And both of these knuckleheads are talking about entitlement culture and not even realizing they're describing their own entitlement. It's so friggin' bizarre to watch, sit and watch these two guys talk about how outraged they are about entitled people. Tom Segura, and listen, I, I like Tom Segura's comedy. I mean, as far as comedians go, I think he's head and shoulders above Rogan. He is le a legit funny stand-up comic. But as a person, I don't really have a whole lot of respect for the guy. Uh, and the more I get to know, the more he reveals about himself, the less I like him. But he's talking, and, and we'll get to the clips, but he's talking about uh, entitlement and then how rude it is that he can't get breakfast when they stop serving breakfast anymore. And don't you know who I am? That's so rude not to treat me like a first-class passenger because I should be able to get breakfast even though you're serving lunch now. <laughs> Goes straight over his head, doesn't and, uh, and they're talking about the, uh, you know, police uh, situation, how, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to give police the uh, courtesy and respect that they deserve when you get pulled over. All that kind of stuff. We'll talk about that. But then the other clip I want to show is Rogan talking to this guy. I think his name is Mark Andreessen uh, about cults and the proliferation of cults. And, um, you know, not to give too much away, he talks about how there is an Internet um, element to cult behavior now and a lot of these people are being put in a lot of people who are just podcasters let's say have a cult following and people who, who live on and rogan it goes right over his head that he is that 
they both talking about neither one of them point out the the obvious elephant in the room when we're talking about cults and internet influence and he's talking to the most influential cult leader on the internet it's pretty pretty bizarre but they also talk about a cult uh who i have had uh the opportunity to interview the former assistant to the head cult leader on my evening program and and she was talking about getting out of the cult and she was in it for 20 years and they moved to Austin actually Joe Rogan's mothership comedy club is the <laughs> is in that is, is based in the headquarters of that cult interestingly enough anyway we'll talk about that in an hour two Jay Moranti as I said will be here probably wearing his Yankee hat listen there's nothing I can say more I can say I, I don't want to get the Yankee fans uh sending me death threats now but come on New York baseball do we know how to play baseball here do we, I mean they have good players both teams have good players just embarrassing. Just embarrassing. What's going on? I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to get some cold coffee when we come back. Uh, Jay Moranti will be here now. I'm thinking of changing the name to the Jay Moranti Show because he's. Uh, it's only been six weeks since he's been on. Uh, it's a quick, pretty quick turnaround. Uh, it might be. We'll just call it the Jay Moranti Show from now on. How about that? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'll be back in just a minute. I'm going to go get a fresh cup of cold coffee. You should get a, a fresh cup of cold coffee too. Couldn't hurt, right? Maybe it'll help you stay awake during all this boring rambling that I'm doing. Anyway, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Koa Coffee. If you are a coffee connoisseur and want to experience the best coffee Hawaii has to offer, no blend, no compromise, try the true taste of aloha. Koa Coffee produces premium Hawaiian coffee, hand-picked expertly roasted and delivered from Hawaii to your door with Aloha. From award-winning 100% Kona coffee grown on the slopes of the Mauna Loa volcano to the unique mocha beans of Maui, they strive to provide their loyal customers with the best quality and freshness. Since 1997, Koa Coffee has been known far and wide as a product of utmost quality and their awards prove it. Koa Coffee was featured in Forbes' Top 10 Coffees of the World. This is the coffee Forbes called the best coffee in America. Find out what it's all about. Go to minddogtv.com slash coffee. And with every uh, order of Koa Coffee, you get a beautiful brunette girl running on the beach. She comes with every... Um, Every order, so I would get on that. Uh, Koa Coffee, man, don't forget to tell them Mind Dog sent you, and they'll say, what? Who? Huh? Just like, uh, <laughs> just like Vinny Vanelli was getting on the streets of Manhattan uh, on the 4th of July, or 1st of July, I think he was there, actually. Uh, but say, hey, you want to be on Mind Dog TV? And people are walking by, what? Huh? Hey, Mind Dog TV? Never heard of it. <laughs> Never will hear of it. Uh, anyway, um... Jay Moranti is uh, Syracuse's number one thespian comedian. How about that? How about that for an intro? And he's here uh, not wearing a Yankee hat, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> back to the owner. 
Yes. And I like, I like the Jay Moranti show. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for having me on. But I like that. The Jay Moranti show. Yeah, me too. It's a good thing. <laughs> it's easy. Well, to, people will, you know what? With Finney on the street saying you want to be on the Jay Moranti show, I bet you more people will stop than him saying you want to be on Mind Dog TV. No, stop it. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> No, I am. I got to say, seriously, man, I'm honored to be here. Honored, privileged. Thank you so much for having me. I can't thank you enough. Thank you for having me on again so quick. And, um, you know, I took you up on it the last time I was on. I, I didn't know if I'd ever be on again. No, you're welcome. You, just... you go, I'm going to have you on again. So I took you up on it because it is important uh, to uh, really push this. Uh, I'm promoting West Side Story. You know, before I get into that, though, I love what you said. I, a couple things in the, when you when I when you opened, it was just you. It was great. You went, speaking of sucking, Jay Moranti, I got nervous. I get, but oh. you, went, you, st- you started, you were talking about the Yankees. <laughs> but I just heard. No, speak, I knew that. Well, I, that's why I stopped. It was about the <laughs> That's why I stopped. That, that's why there was that pause there. It's like, how do I get out of this? I don't want to say Jay sucks. I want to say he's a fan of a team that it's all, sucks. I, they, they are. I don't I don't know. I can't get, well, maybe we'll talk. We will talk about the Yankees, but not at the second. Um you want to send me a link to the because uh, I don't have the link to put in the description, but send me a link to uh, where they can get tickets for the West Side Story thing. I yeah. will. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, you have so many listeners; it's awesome. And wh- wh- you know, whether like in the New York City area up to Syracuse, whoever's listening, uh, if you're going to just be in Syracuse, if you have relatives in Syracuse, whatever, uh, West Side Story is at Thornton Park. It's an outdoor uh, theater. It's up by Syracuse University. It's a beautiful place to see a play. And we're actually doing West Side Story, the musical, August 4th, 5th, and 6th, 11th, 12th, and 13th. It's the first two weekends of August. Uh, obviously, there's there's no lighting. So for the sunlight, it's a 5.30 show, Friday and Saturday, 5.30 p.m., Friday, Saturday shows. And the Saturday and the Sunday shows, the 6th and the 13th, those are matinees at 2. So 5.30, 5.30, and 2, both weekends. Um, I'm co-producing it. I've been there a lot helping out and and we have some i don't want to get in because i'll forget somebody's name but the, the actors the performers are great our leads playing uh, tony and maria uh the gentleman playing riff uh the leads are really doing a great i mean everybody's good we got a good solid cast for community theater i'm very impressed with uh, how ronnie bell the director has cast this and uh, i'm excited i want everybody to be excited come and see it yes it's shakespeare in the park but it's not shakespeare this time West Side Story. Okay, well, yeah. good stuff. West Side Story is a great uh, play to see. Now, um, uh, just let yeah. me uh, back up a little bit. You are free to and welcome to come on every week if you want. I, I mean, I guess best I mean, man. Um, no, but, I'm following people. I mean, Vic Dibitato. I love that guy. He's awesome. I saw Vic here in Syracuse probably about four or five years ago. He is so funny. Oh, somebody else I know is co- going, and I can't. It's all slipping my mind right now. Somebody's going to Syracuse very soon. A committee. Big, big name comedian. I can't remember who it was. Um, but w- for the West Side Story stuff and for the stuff that's in the park, do people bring their own seating? Is there seating there? Could you bring your own lounge chairs? What What's the deal with that? Yeah, it's like um, it's like how do I describe it? It's it's like a, it's just grass, okay? And there's like levels, right? Like a stadium seating, but it's just grass. So you should bring at least a blanket. But yes, have to, great question. People have to bring their own lawn chairs. Uh, you can bring snacks, you know, and a lot of people do that. There's some people that go every year and they just get there early and camp out and get it all set up and they've got their snacks. It's, you know, you know, I want to walk by and go, hi, can I have some hummus? I mean, it's just like, there's, it's, uh, it's interesting. 
people, people bring. So you can bring, and it's, it's, you know, a great place for like, it's really a, a family friendly kind of thing. So. Right. Uh, uh, is there an orchestra or you, you're using like recording uh, backing tracks? It, yeah. Well, they, they it is going to be the track. They're singing live, but they're singing with a track. Yes. Right. Well, you know, I don't have no uh, no problem with that in theater and stuff like that, especially. Uh, but I was just wondering could because uh, it would be a challenge for the audio part outdoors to get a huge orchestra to sound really. I mean, you got to have major investment in sound equipment then to to really produce that up. Do you sing? Do I sing? Yeah. Because I all these all I these shows sing. require some. Right, it's musicals. You gotta... <laughs> I can sing, but I don't. It's weird. I'm not. I've never really been in a musical, and I can wow. dance too. And people are like, "Jay, you dance? Why don't you?" I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. I just, I'm one of. Those, I like musicals, but it's not my favorite. I'm one of those people that can't quite grasp the whole thing. Right. Isn't that weird? You yeah. know, the more. Yeah, I just, I don't feel comfortable waking up and going like, "I just woke up this morning." It's just weird. I like plays, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't. I don't know. And my theater um, friends right now, if they're watching, they're going, oh, Jay. Now, West Side Story is about two gangs, the Jets and the oh, Jets sharks. And sharks, right? Jets versus uh, Sharks. Now, is that kind of based on Romeo and Juliet or something? Or it's, uh, you know, it's something. I well, yeah. Yeah, because Romeo and Juliet is... Um, is the Capulettos. Uh, Juliet and the Capulet and Romeo... And Ro I should know my Shakespeare, right? Romeo and the Montagues, they're totally like two gangs. They hate each other, right? Hatfields right. and McCoys kind of thing, right? So it's just like, oh my God, not her, you know. And then there's a cousin of of Juliet's. Um, I think the character's name is Tybalt, who is very fiery, and he challenges somebody in the street, and that's where the fight. It's not really like gangs fighting, but that's that's a big fight right there. Yeah. And then uh, Tybalt kills Romeo's friend. Romeo and Rage kills Tybalt. Now Romeo has killed Juliet's cousin but love still comes through right and yeah it's it's a great play Roman Juliet it's weird it's not my favorite some people it's just their absolute favorite it's besides Hamlet I think it's the one that everybody like knows oh yeah Roman and Juliet I know that it is good but it's yeah. not my favorite um West Side Story though there, there was a movie of course there's a very big movie have they ever made a remake of that movie movie do you know i don't think so i think the original well they did yeah they uh i feel like steven spielberg did it a couple of years ago maybe i, I guess it wasn't a big hit because i don't remember it but that yeah, yeah I don't well the, the the one with uh, rita moreno who talk about amazing talented woman she's incredible right she um she was so good in that role anita she's the one from the i think it's late 50s or early 60s right the actual original film is so that's awesome i love that one <laughs> that's the one i like to watch yeah not not the remake yeah but uh, uh yeah, yeah I, i'm excited about you know doing other things other than acting you know co-producing I, I i don't want this to get boring like oh no we're gonna fall asleep on jake's he's talking about writing but i'm i'm getting into writing a lot more i i've always kind of been a writer so i'm writing uh you know i'm kind of like the jack of all trades i can't help it it's it's kind of a bad thing right if i just focus on one thing yeah i do stand up but you know not nearly as well as like Vic or anybody like that I love acting, yeah. so it's like I do too much, but I can't help it. I just, well, yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually going to be directing. Uh, I've directed a couple of smaller things, and a friend of mine, I can't say what it is or where it is because it's not like written in stone. You know what I mean? It's not advertised yet that it's going to happen, but it's a Christmas show, and I'm going to co-direct, so I'm excited about that. So, sorry, it's 
I can't say exactly what it is. But. Co-direct. Now, I, I was just going to ask you about producing and co-producing. What exactly is your role as a co-producer? What do you I, do? I knew you were going to ask me that, and I should have got, like, already. No, because um, <laughs> it's like, what do you do? Well, with Ronnie Bell, who does a lot of stuff, like, he's like one of those guys. He just does everything on his own anyways. I'm basically just doing anything that Ronnie can't do because he's directing this. Wow. So just helping out if somebody, you know, if the actors need help with anything, uh, I am helping promote it, get the word out. Um, producers, though, like, cause, well, again, I'm co-producing with Ronnie. Ronnie got all, Ronnie got all the grants. You know, producers help with, like, with the money and stuff in the beginning. But, like, anything, I'm basically, like, anything he needs, you know, uh, props, uh, you know, talking things. I was at, like, the meeting and, and helping him, uh, you know, I helped with the audition. I'm just kind of like his assistant, so I'm, I'm, I'm co-producing it. So I got that credit, which is good. I got that's, coffee. That's too. good. Yeah. Um, now, do, does the city of Syracuse uh, support this in any way? Do they, do they do anything to help out in any way, or they just uh, at least their involvement is to let you use the park? Basically, let us use the park, but um, we do get a lot of support from some of the local businesses, which I can't name any of them right because I don't have that in front of me. But a lot of local businesses help out, and. We always get on this one morning TV show. Some of the radio stations and TV uh, stations do help out promote it. But yeah, I wish we got a little bit more help, but that's okay. It's we're, it's 21st season. We're still going strong. So yeah. Well, I don't but, know of any other. And listen, I don't get around that much anymore. But I don't know of any <laughs> other places that do theater in the park anymore. And it's it's kind of a uh, we see a lot of. <clears throat> Town sponsored concerts in the park and stuff right. like that, but you don't Music see outside. plays in theater in the park. So yeah. that's good stuff. I don't even know if they do it in Central Park anymore. They used to in in New York City used to have theater in the park, but I don't know. I think, I think they used Col- to do Shakespeare in the park there, right? I should ch- check in there. I don't know if they do. I think they did. No, they you, had to have, right? Speaking of Shakespeare, you um you called me out on on butchering uh thou doth what? Because I can't what? say doth. <laughs> I feel like I got a whiff when I say duff. <laughs> oh, man. Listen. Um, wait. You I know what? Know though? I, got some, I got a couple things for you. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, when you just have one of those weeks. I've had one of those weeks, man. Just the roller emotional roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm going to get to the Yankees. Sunday and Monday were just horrible because they lost two extra inning games back to back. Just killing me. So that's just my girlfriend's like, oh my gosh, is he gonna start throwing things? I stay calm, but you know, <laughs> that's the, the anger, the sadness, the, the the anxiety, the defeat. So Sunday and Monday were horrible, but Tuesday, I went to see Mission Impossible with my son. He's a movie nut, so we went to see Mission Impossible. So now you're running the roller coaster of just white knuckling it with 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 Mr. Cruz there. I mean, his stunts are amazing. I don't know if you want to. I, I don't. You still go to the movies? Yeah. Uh, no, I would not go to a movie theater. Uh, you know what? Um, You'll I, see it I, when you, when you yeah. can. I know it's a much better experience now, even you know, even post COVID and everything. Yeah, the sound quality, everything. Sound quality, the comfort of the seats, all of it. Seats better experience than I was used to. Yeah, so that was awesome. That I mean, Tuesday, and I took a break from the Yankees, who probably lost. They lost again. So now I'm watching this awesome. It was a really good movie. I mean, I know some people are like, oh come on, how many is he gonna do? But it's just awesome. I don't know. If you buy into the whole Mission Impossible thing, wow. Great, great film. I recommend it. And then last night, Wednesday, I was at the Funny Bone watching a great comedian, uh, Jeff Allen, 
hilarious guy. I don't know if you know him. He's from Tennessee. Yep. Uh, he's 67. Cause I know when you're talking to Vic, Vic was like, said he was 62, maybe it was 60 something. This guy's 67, still doing it. He was so good. So yeah, fun. I know. I, 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 he, I, he's got some reels going around, uh, I guess Facebook or, or YouTube. And I, I watch them all the time. Uh, there are a lot of senior citizen comedians still doing it. And it's, it's, it's surprising to me that guys my age are still out there doing it. I, I guess it's like, I hear you. It's a drug. You can't get you. you right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can't get enough of it. It's true. You're, you're thinking, guy, what are you guys doing? You're getting up there. But yeah, it's yeah. um. well, one thing I will say is I do think the older comedians are better because they have more to draw. on. You know what I mean? It's just something you always get better at if you are good at it. Right. Yeah. Um, so but the Tom Cruise stuff now, he's a great actor and I, I don't think. I mean, aside from that one Francis Ford Coppola thing that was really, uh, memory makes it seem, you know, nostalgia makes it seem like it was a great movie. I can't remember the name. The, uh, the, um, it was like a West Side Story thing. It was the the um, Outsiders or something like that. It was... Uh, oh, yeah. So she was against really, really the young, right? What? Yeah. But and he was in that movie. That's the only movie I can think of that I think was really subpar. And I, I, you know, if I hadn't watched it again recently, I would have thought it was it was a great movie. But then when I watched it again recently, I was like, man, this is poorly written. The only thing that's great about that movie is the cinematography. But right, other than that, right. I, I yeah, can't. I haven't think seen of, that in so long. The Outsiders. Yeah. You know what? It's funny when you go see uh, when you see movies that. You remember is great, and then you watch them, and you're like, "Wow, this is really poor writing." <laughs> you one was... of one of those, uh, and people don't get this uh, to yet. I think m myself and my wife were the first ones to kind of, <laughs> and like 15 years ago, now we w watched uh, Saturday Night Fever, and we're like, "Man, this is a classic movie. Why the writing is so bad?" Uh, <laughs> like, so you haven't seen Saturday Night Fever in a long time, and and you watched it, you didn't like it. You thought the writing. Yeah, here's here's some dialogue from Saturday Night Fever. Tell me, Stephanie, do you love this man? He helps me, man. Do you love him? He helps me, man. He helps me. He, he helps me. Okay, he helps you. That's good for you. So good for you. He, that's good for you. Oh, you're killing it, man. You, you gotta get into acting now. Your acting was great. No, that was that was funny. Right. So that it was Travolta doing that, right? Yeah. <laughs> do you love this I, man? I think you're right. If you, I mean. I guess people just like, you know, the dancing, the music. Yeah. Uh, the dancing and the music, but, you know, you know for women, for their women, for women, they're like, he's just, he's gorgeous. We love, he's such a cute, look at him. They love John Travolta, how he yeah. looked. Um, but you're right. I mean, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it well, but you're right. The dialogue, I got to watch it again now. You got me wanting to watch it now. Uh, you, you know what I do remember, though? I do love the part. I thought this was funny. As a comedian, I love when he goes, stop hitting my hand. You know, in the yeah. beginning, his dad said to me, he goes, stop hitting my hand. You know, I worked for a long time on my hair. I come down here and you hit it. <laughs> I just love the hair joke. I don't know. Yeah. That gets me every time. Yeah. You hit my hair. Yeah. One book, Chad. His hair is perfect. He works so hard. He's going out. Yeah. Uh, all of it. Yeah, Andrew Dice Clay makes fun of that in Ford Fairlane, uh, uh, rock and roll detective. When he, he's falling, he goes, The head, the head, my head, my head. <laughs> and the way it comes out with the accent, the head. But you know, now Andrew Dice Clay, I think he's still, he's still probably doing stand up. I bet he is, right? He yeah. probably is. 
Yeah, he's an older is. guy, still doing it. Yeah. I just think they have more to draw from. And if we could, if, if you're okay with this, I just want to talk for a second about, I was thinking of this, I wrote a note. I've been trying to write some notes so I can, um, love, love Vic Debitetto. And I agree with him like to a point, but not all the way with his point about, okay. When he said recently in your show, a couple days ago, or whatever, there's too many comics. I kind of agree, you know, but I'm like, you want to go Vic, you know, you've made it, man. Like, remember when I want to go Vic, don't you remember when you started? What if someone said, you know, you're not funny. So stop. I just didn't understand. But I think, I think what his point was, there's too many comics and they're not, you know, I like the delusional part. He's right. There are guys here. It's like, um, you know, I always say guys, you know, women are funny too. The comics, men and women will kind of over promote, you know, and I, I get the whole idea of like, you know, pizza shop and, and then they take the picture just right and go, you know, packed house. It's a packed house. But there's not really a lot of people there, so they're they're, they're over. They're, I, I get that I, point, mix. Right, I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I can kind of uh, split the baby here, and, and uh, because I agree that uh, what you're saying, you don't want to kill anybody's dream, and people when they're right. starting out, they should be encouraged. But on the same note, he's talking about pizza places. Listen, if I go to a pizza place, first of all, I don't want to be charged. Thirty dollars for to get into a pizza place. I just want to get a slice, and I'm not coming here to see a, a com- wait. There's a comedy show here, and You're then right. good point. And then have a bunch of hack comics who are just starting, like basically right. right above the open mic. They've done three or four open mics, right? Now. Just barely. And, and like, <laughs> oh man, I don't want. I don't want to subject my friends and family to that kind of stuff. No, it's a good point. It's a good point he makes, and I think he what he's saying too. I think I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think Vic is saying, you know. There's so many comics and they're giving, they're making, they're making comedy look bad because they're not doing well. And, and to also hook onto that, I think he, he was saying, it made me think of this. I don't know if you're saying this. Okay. You got to know, yes, don't kill a guy's dream. Don't kill a person's dream. But to a point you got to realize when maybe it's not for you. So right. if there's a guy doing comedy, I don't know what the, 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 the number is, but it's more than just a year. If you're doing it for three or four years and you're not getting any better, it's probably not for you. Right. I think that's what he's saying, too. There's so many comics. You can't just keep doing it. And if you're not getting any better, maybe you weren't really meant for comedy. And yeah, you know, I don't think that's really uh, I don't think that's really possible if you're really doing it. Uh, if you're working hard at it and you're not getting any better, I think that something is wrong somewhere because right. I think no matter how, how much talent you have, if you work hard at it for three or four years, no, even if you're like have no talent whatsoever, you're going to get better at it. You're going to get better. And if, I always compare comedy to music to a fault. Like I go overdo this stuff. But in music, for me, I was that young guy who had dreams of being a rock star and all the fame and fortune and all that stuff. And at, at sometime in my mid twenties, cause I had this thing in my head that if you don't make it by 30 and rock and roll, right. you're done. I mean, the Beatles were but young twenties when they made it. I always had all that stuff in my head. But, um, so in my mid twenties, I had this awakening epiphany, whatever that you don't need to be a rock star. You don't, you don't need to right. be, rich and famous you can do this on a level that supports you and and fulfills you and uh you know meets your needs of creativity without having that end goal in mind because so many times we we do things with 
the goal in mind rather than the purpose in mind, rather than doing it because I love it. And when we lose track of why we started and all that stuff. So there's that. And I think that's true in comedy too. If you really love stand up, you don't have to worry about being the next Sebastian Maniscalco and selling out Madison Square Garden five nights in a row. You can make a nice little niche for yourself doing comedy clubs locally or and all that stuff. And I think people lose track of that, lose sight of that. And I think it's important to kind of hold Great on point. That. I mean, you know, I still act. I don't get I, I can't support myself on acting. Anything that I do, I'm still doing it because I love it. Um yeah, and the thing for the younger guys, and I'm actually, you know, everybody says, oh, I look younger. I'm older. I'm not, you know, I'm in my 50s. I'm not, like, young anymore where I can go be all ambitious. So the younger comics, they don't they don't listen to the older ones. It's a bummer. They really don't. And I know, I don't care what anybody tells, it says, it still is the basic. You've got to have jokes and you've got to have punchlines. And when you start, I don't mean to go on and on about stand-up, but when you start the show, you got to get some laughs early. Um, I don't think anybody really should try to be like a storyteller. I don't know what that's all about. Well, you know what? And these younger guys, they get up and they're just talking and talking. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? You know, there's only so much time you have to get up there and you got to get to your first punchline fast. And hopefully somebody laughs. And if you don't get a laugh on your first few, you're bombing. Okay. But it's just crazy. And, and, uh, I know people, uh, there's a guy, I'll give him a plug. He's great. He's like in his sixties. I don't know if he does stand up anymore, but uh, his name's Tim Joyce. Very funny guy. He lives in Buffalo. He was in Chicago and, you know, he had a career. I mean, he was in a movie. He did stand up a lot <clears throat> and now he teaches. And wow, uh, what an eye opener. I took one class with him and I learned a lot because I listened and you got to listen to the, I mean, if some guy's done stand up pretty successfully for 15, 20 years, he's got to know what he's doing. And the younger guys don't want to listen. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're I, proud. They're proud. Like, well, no, I know. I, I, I'm not going to be like, you know, one liner guy. It's like, that's not the point. You know, yeah. it's, you it's, have to have respect for those who, who came before you. And I think right. that there's a big part of that. Uh, and it, it saddens me cause I, I forget who I was talking, Mike, maybe Mike Binder. I was talking mm. somebody last week. I, I watched that, a little bit of that too. Yeah. About, Mike, the lack of knowledge of people that came before. I had to explain to people who Robert Klein was. People who are comedians who are in the business and don't know who Robert Klein was. I mean, to me, he I, and people know this about me, Robert Klein belongs on my personal Mount Everest of co yes. comedians. He's one of so he's funny. one of the foundational people oh. in, in the business. Just and to not know who, who somebody was mentioning Robert Schimmel. I don't know who it was. Uh, that okay. I had on recently, and and Schimmel is is one of those people that young comedians today don't know anything about. But in his day, he was, you know, he was the the best there was, and in, in for a very short period, he's passed away young. But you know, it's it's not know those people, not even uh, appreciate. It, to me, it would be like me not knowing who Elvis Presley or the Beatles were and, and wanting to be. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I mean, it's that is the one good thing about all this crazy technology. If you're young, you could just go YouTube, whatever. You could look up real quick anything. So why don't you go look up comics and just watch them? Yeah, yeah. You know, hear, hear the rhythms of the, you just watch them. How, how do they, what does their presence look like on stage, you know? And yeah, you want to do your stuff, but find a way to, uh, yeah. It's a, it's like there's almost like a formula, you know, and they just don't want to embrace it. It's crazy. Some, something I found really odd, and for for whatever reasons, I I get 
uh, amused by this stuff. Somebody was having a Twitter conversation with Louis J. Gomez, and he said, uh, I can't believe Robert Kelly said, uh, said, and the quote was, uh, comedy is like jazz. And I was like, uh, and and, and Louis uh, J. Gomez said, that's not such a bad analogy. I always said uh, com- comedy is like weightlifting. I was like, I don't get that one. But the comedy Whoa. like jazz, comedy like jazz stuff is not new. It's not a Robert Kelly original. That stuff goes back to Borschfeldt stuff. Uh, and, right. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, you know, you're talking yeah. the 40s and 50s. And, and I've heard that my entire life. And I think there is some truth to that. You talk about rhythms and all of that stuff. Comedy does uh have a lot in common with you know jazz or, or you know music in general so it's yeah. just funny that people get having that conversation like how dare he make that that analogy i don't get it um so and and with that do you remember uh you're in your 50s were, were catskills the borscht belt uh, a thing in your lifetime because you're not too far from there you're a couple of hours away from no there. i never i know what you're talking about right that was that's before my time right the um all the hotels the, uh, the concord and there were a bunch of hotels up there in the catskills yeah where people, it was the place to go to do stand-up yeah i mean not just comedy i think there was i think musicians and yeah, you yeah. Know, performers and yeah yep. i did a bunch well. of those gigs in i the wish 70s. it was still you know i wish there was more you know i love art and entertainment so i wish there was more around in in, in new york state yeah. Um, but let's get back to music for a minute. So if we could, cause you brought up music. Um, what do we say about that, Matt? I mean, like, help me there. Cause you're more into music than I am. I mean, don't you think I, we're going to be, we're, we're going to be totally like the old guys now always going like we the music today, but music today is to me is horrible. I mean, is it just pop music? Do I have to just dig deeper and find, I mean, music that, is that's so the whole bad. thing. Um, there is a lot of great music. But it's not being uh, okay. Produced. So it's just me being stupid, putting the radio. No, no, it's it's not being produced by the major record companies. The major record companies okay. are McDonald's now. They are putting right. out. They're just, putting out low, uh, you know, uh, low nutritional uh, fast food right. junk that people will uh, buy by the billions. It's all cu- cookie cutter there stuff. It is. Independent oh. music is where it's at. Finding the gems is becoming much harder because we you have so much it. more to choose from. And if you go on the streaming services, you will get stuff that kind of rec- uh, recognizes your taste and what you what you do. But there's still so much buried that without doing a lot of digging, it becomes really hard to get. I, I'm, you know, there's good positive things and negative things about this whole idea of uh, people being able to publish themselves and all that for one thing people who would never have a chance to be heard right. now have a chance to be heard but that chance is slim because there's so much crap in the way it, it, right it's just it's just so oversaturated is that the word it's just yeah it's yeah so oversaturated with with just nonsense but well, yeah, and I had a, a guy on last night, Cliff Beach, who's a funk artist from California, from Los Angeles, and really 70s-sounding, uh, very authentic uh, funk music. And I was like, you know, it's... Oh, a, that's awesome. I it, love that. Yeah. Is there a market for that? And how do you reach your audience? Because there's no radio stations that are going to play. You know, commercial radio and terrestrial radio. And, uh, you know, I asked, like, is radio going to be a thing? 10 years from now i know people True. still it's built into your car but even it's people still the car, but yeah 
people will put take their Bluetooth and their phone and, and go that way and then put on Spotify. So I don't know what the future of radio is. People are still paying big advertising dollars to be on. But you're right. Ten years from now, will there even be? Yeah, radio. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah it's just weird. I mean, my, my son is uh, 23, right? And he likes older music way better. I'm so glad the kid, I didn't put, he just figured it out on his own. He's like, you know, he'll, he'll, he likes Elvis, the Rolling Stones. I mean, he, he goes back to the 60s, 60s, 70s, 80s. If it just sounds good, he likes it. He likes all kinds of music and he, and he thinks the music today is terrible. But I guess we're only talking about, you just got to dig deeper. We're just talking about pop music, what they play on the radio. And it's just awful. It doesn't even sound like music to me right now. Yeah. Like, uh, I used to get- be shocked by young people be- into the music that I was into because I, I tried to kind of related to when I was a kid and I could not, uh, there was no way I was going to uh, listen to anything my parents were, were into. And it, <laughs> but yeah. as I grew older, I started to like that stuff, but I, I was, you know, I was on this thing for a couple of years where, where it was a revelation to me because we were playing for audiences from two to 92 and to see teenagers getting into the music we were playing, which is in my mind, oldies. Uh, it's oh, classic, yeah, the oldies. classic rock but classic rock is oldies now it, it is they were, they were into it and i was like wow this is really strange but i i, I chalk it up to uh it's in a lot of movies and it's, it's in so much pop culture now every every hit movie it will uh, have like a, a at least a snippet of some classic rock in the background and scenes and stuff like that puts it into the, the mask uh uh, perception of, of what you know, what we're all living through this whole experience of life. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But you're uh, still. I I love that you're still playing, man. That's awesome. I mean, you still play. You still. For looking at your Facebook, it looks like you still play like a lot, right? You're still. You're not just not as much as we used to, but still you're two still getting gigs and yeah, two or three band gigs a week. Generally. That's great, a week, yeah. And and the awesome. solo shows, I'd probably do four. That's awesome, by myself. Um, but we were in our 40s and 50s. See, I'm the only one who still has the I would be gigging seven nights a week if the, my yeah. bandmates would do it. Uh, yeah. They're all now, and they're younger than me. They're all like turning 60, 61 around right. there. But they are ready to sit on the couch with the wife and watch the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I was going to go, come on, what do they say? 60s, the new 50. Don't you hate that when they go, I, that's so overdone. 60s, the new 50. Like, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah. 40s, the new 20. No, it's not. Come on. <laughs> well, also, I mean, uh, probably my wife and, and I have a different kind of relationship where we're not television watchers anyway. We, we, if we do stuff that's together, it's thing, not going to be sitting yeah, sitting on the couch and no. watching television. I, because I'll fall asleep anyway. <laughs> you know, I can't. I can't watch television without falling asleep. Even if if I was at a, a friend's house and they had television on and they put me on the couch, it's only a matter of moments before I uh, nod off because it just does that to me. It's like a sedative. Right. Well, my girlfriend and I, we like movies, like all kinds of movies. I mean, even the old black and white. I mean, she's playing in older films. That she's got, and yeah, we're. I mean, okay, you know, there's Tubi and all this stuff on uh, Freevee. I don't know what we don't have Netflix. You get all these things you can go to, but she's she has like a library of just so many you know films. And I even said to her one time, so we were on the streak of like everything was bad. I said we just got to go for 
She's like, I want to watch something tonight. I go, I'm sick of watching movies. Wait, we'll just go for the best one. I think it's the best movie of all time, The Godfather. So we just watched The Godfather one night. But like, I'm falling asleep. And she's going like, oh, did you see that? I'm like, thank God I know the movie. Like, yes, yes, it's a very important part. Wow, Brando, <laughs> yes. Brando, so, he's so awesome in that scene, Brando. Yes. Oh, The but, Godfather is, uh, is one of these. I think these, it's the best. I don't know. It's one of the... Uh, I don't know, markers in my life. One of these, uh, okay. be because when I was nine years old, uh, the kid who lived across the street from me, who was always telling long tales and, 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 and stories out of school, he came in and he said, my father's in a movie with Marlon Brando. And I was like, wow, I never even heard of Marlon Brando. I went and told my parents, I said, Lenny's father's oh, cool. in Lenny's father, Lenny says his father's in a movie with Marlon Brando. You know, Lenny, he's always lying to you. Don't believe Lenny. And then it turned out his father was playing the part of Luca Brazzi in uh, in The Godfather. It's like wow! And so oh wow! Yeah, so my whole neighborhood. So you knew course, Luca Brazzi's son, the actor. Yeah, yeah. I still he's, he's, he's and Luca's you know, the Luca's the big huge guy, right? I, I mean, yeah, he was Luca's, a he was a wrestler before, right. but then he was actually um, Joe. Uh, oh man. I'm, I can't think of his name now. Uh, anyway, Joe Colombo. Joe Colombo. He was Joe Colombo's bodyguard. And Ray Colombo uh, was like the big, you know. Yes. So what happened was, was the they Don. wanted. To... He was the real life Don, right? Right. Colombo yeah. was the mob boss for the he, for the Gambino mob family boss. at that time. And at the time, yes. He wanted to stop the production of The Godfather because he thought it was casting too much uh, on the mafia. Perfect. You and, said that because you let me write to it. I don't know how accurate it is, but there's a, like a mini series. It's called the offer. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. There's some, oh, it's so good, man. There's some oh fake stuff God. in it or, or wrong stuff and mistimed stuff in there that I, I wanted to, I've been meaning to do what the, what the offer got wrong. Cause I know some of the things that got wrong. Like for instance, I'm uh, sure it did. Yeah. Cause it's gotta be entertaining and, yeah, and they changed timelines. Did. Like Joey Gallo's murder was not while they were shooting the film. I mean, right. it, it was after the, the movie had come out. But it, all that stuff. There's a lot of stuff like that that they got wrong. Which kind of stinks because, uh, you know, you, you, you're watching going, oh, wow, this is so cool. That's how they – and then if it's not accurate, but whatever. It's pretty accurate, but there are a few things that were, yeah. were just – Okay. Change for it's I don't pretty know, accurate, but they it. had to just to you know, some of the stuff, yeah. 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 But awesome. And just to watch it come together, though, you know what I mean? Right. And, so, and, and you know how they just now this is true though, right? That they absolutely was it Evans, Bob Evans, Robert Evans, who wasn't even he was just the 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 it was Paramount, right? He was the the studio head, the main guy there. Did not just vehemently did not want Al Pacino. Think about that. Al was right. so good. I can't picture anybody else so good as Michael. Right. And you uh, did not want him. Did the guy who played Evans in the offer, phenomenal, man. I think that guy deserves uh, an Oscar. I know it's not a. Yes, a... he crushed it. He was so Robert Evans because I've seen yeah. Evans in documentaries just talking. Oh my God, he crushed it. Uh, my friend Andy Andrews. What a character that guy is, though. Wouldn't it be great just to know him? I mean, if, you, if you're on his good side, Robert Evans. Hey, come here. Here, come here. I got something for you, kid. Hey, kid. I got. I just. I mean, I love the whole idea. Right, we're gonna make a movie. And wait, wait, stop by. You know, he's just fast talking, just on fire. Producer, just to be around him in the room. Uh, yes, sir. I'll get you some coffee. Uh, 
he he was a a very unusual guy. And I remember getting, getting seeing him on talk shows. He he had a book that came out called the right. uh, Kids Kid Stays in the Picture. Kid Stays in the Picture. And, yeah. and he was doing like a bunch of talk shows and stuff. And I was fascinated by him then. Andy Andrews, who is a friend who is a stand-up comic based in Oregon, he's been on the show yeah. a dozen times, and he talks about being at Robert Evans' house. Uh, they had awesome. a big party for oh. Evans and Slash. I don't know if you remember this. We're, we're doing an animated show on Comedy Central, and Andy was one of the writers for the Man Show on Comedy Central, and yeah, they they that. had this big party for the premiere, and Evans uh, invited all the people, and he was at uh, <laughs> at Evans' house, and he saw Evans, and the first thing out of his mouth was, "Hey, Bob, where's the blow?" <laughs> and uh, that didn't go over too well. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah. Oh man! Yeah, I, they, yeah, Evans just you know, wow, and the guy, the guy. Uh, he was, a, and he really liked Jack Nicholson, so I like that connection. Jack Nicholson's my favorite actor of all time. Yeah. So I hear Rob, Robert Evans kind of, or Robert Evans, the character playing him, just like I just, I'm just like a little kid. I don't know why it's just cool. Like in that in the offer, he's on the phone with him. Jack, hey, Jack, buddy, Jack, what's going yeah, on, baby? baby. It's like, yeah, baby. I'm not doing it right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not an impressionist. Yeah, neither am I. But more of an actor. That guy was so good in that, and I'm surprised he uh, Matthew something. I can't remember his last name, but he was he was so good in that man. I can't believe he didn't get more acclaim for the way he played. He was uh, in a in a way doing an impression, but it was it was so good that it was so compelling. Bad. I uh, I that couldn't wait. Worked. That one worked. Yeah, I couldn't wait to see him and more. You know, get him back in the scene. <laughs> yeah, that, that means you're doing good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The cool thing about Robert Evans too is that okay, you figure like you see him and you go, oh, total egomaniac. What a but but he was smart. He figured he knew he wasn't a good actor. He kept trying. He was a good looking guy, but he he realized I, I I don't have it. He didn't have. He was just an okay actor. That's all I'm gonna be is okay. And then he kind of I don't know exactly how, but the story is that he segued into into producing, and then there's the whole career. So that's awesome. yeah, well, I don't uh, get. And I appreciate it and admire the ability to switch gears between uh, your creative mind and your business mind. But I don't get the business mind at all. I'm not very business. Uh, sa- uh, you know, even though I've helped some. I wish I was, man. I'm right with you there. Yeah, because you know. Yeah. Why not? You're still involved in it. If I did produce more, I got into movie producing or whatever. It's just yeah, I'm not business savvy. So what you you say you do a lot of writing? Do you what kind of what is the format yes. of you writing? Do you are you writing? Okay. Well, plays? Always, are you writing screenplays? What do you write? Uh, since since you know I can remember like from from college, I got into writing poetry. So I write a lot of poems. Uh, I journal a lot, and then I would always I don't know if it's the ADHD. I can't maybe maybe like when I'm seventy if I'm still alive. I can't sit still long enough to focus and write like a novel. But I've written some short stories. And of course, because I'm an actor, recently I've written um, two one-act plays. One, they're like you know, ten and then fifteen minutes. And one of them, um, a gentleman uh, uh, who uh, teaches here and he's been involved in, in uh, uh, theater for a long time here, uh, Len Fonte, great guy. He's a writer, and he actually picked me to be in a play because like somebody dropped out. It's like, well, we'll get Jay, which felt good. I felt honored that Len called me and reached out to me and said, Jay, uh, this guy dropped out of my play. It's a play that I wrote. It's going to get produced. 
at uh, this this thing in Syracuse. It's like called Salt Lamb Festival. The first year ever they're going to do it. Salt Lamb Festival is two weekends of all these different original like plays written by local people or anybody, you know, could submit it. And he wrote this play called Sundowning. And it was a big, it was a tough role. I did a good job, but it was, it was hard. It was, it wasn't comedy. It was drama. And he, I just, you know, was talking to him and he said, I'll, I'll look at it. And that's the first thing I like, oh man. So I sent him the one act and just to have him go, this, this has potential. He was honest. He, he wasn't saying it was great. So I still got to, he's busy. I got to hook up with him. So I'm like, well, give me notes and help me, you know, and then I want to edit it. So, you know, I do like, I think that could be a thing over time. Keep working because I love acting, but it's just another, you just want to kind of evolve. You just want to always be like acting is the worst thing because you have like no control, really. You're just always going, hire me, please. It doesn't matter what you're always trying to get hired or at least, you know, locally, maybe it's not hired, but picked. Can I audition? Can I be in a play? You're just always kind of begging. So if you're writing, you're still involved and you're writing it. So uh, I I do want to be, you know, I don't know if I could ever write a full length one, but I do hopefully one day. I'm just writing one X right now. So 9,000 words. The short answer is I write like poems, poetry, a little bit in the short story thing. And then when I, and then plays, I do like to write. Wow. And you know, obviously I wrote my stand up comedy. That's the last thing I should be bragging about. I don't really, my jokes are always like, ah, it's almost, almost funny. Jay. I just don't quite hit it with the joke writing. Yeah. You know, uh, well, I'm impressed that you are open to, you know, give me notes, give me, because not a lot of people Right. He's because he, he's written stuff. I, I like what he, like that play was pretty pretty solid play. I could see I could see that play getting produced like maybe off Broadway. Yeah, it's good. All right, what, he, what, what Len wrote. Let's uh, plug West Side Story. It's August fourth, yes. fifth. Is it fourth, third, fourth, it's and fifth? Week, first two weekends: fourth, fifth, sixth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth. Yes, okay. first two weekends of August. Times. Five, oh yeah, uh, it's outdoor. Five thirty. The the Friday and Saturday, the fourth and fifth, they're at five thirty. The sixth, the Sunday, is a two o'clock matinee. 11th and 12th, Friday, Saturday, 5.30, and 13th is 2 o'clock. And bring blankets or a folding chair or something like yes, that. Yes, bring stuff. At least a blanket because you're going to be bring sitting snacks, on snacks. You can bring drinks. Right. What about uh, concessions and stuff? They, is there, oh, should they bring their own, like, uh, snacks and stuff? <laughs> well, no. What? For, oh. Cool. No, but there, there's, a little, there's a little snack shack that you can go, like, on an intermission, you go up, and they sell hot dogs and things like that. But some people like to bring their own. These are important things we have to let people know about, Jay. When you plug in stuff, you got to get all these details in there. Thanks. I'm sorry. You're, I'm new at this. See? Give me notes, man. Help me. Help uh, me. Well, I appreciate it. West Side Story is a, a great play. Uh, I yes. encourage people in the Syracuse area. Get out there. Support the arts and support our friend Jay. And, yes. Uh, it's been great to see you again. Don't hesitate. Thanks to come for back having me. Anytime, so man. You're always welcome. So I was on last month. So maybe, you know, maybe in about three or four months, I'll bug you again. <laughs> Okay. Now, I love what, watching your show. You do a great job. I, I try to watch when I can. I know you see me comment every now and then. I try to get in there. It's tough sometimes. You're, you're always welcome, man. I appreciate you, you being here, and it's good to talk to you. And good to see you again, and and uh, you know, as often as you want. Don't worry. Don't don't let it cross right. your mind. I'm just all right, man. Thank about you. The, to the Jay Moranti show. Great being on the show. Thanks, man. Bye for now. Have a great day. Uh, I'm not sure if Robert Taylor is going to join us today, but we do have a piece from uh, Donna Shannon, uh, as we always do on Thursdays now. This is her fourth piece of uh, slightly irrelevant reviews. I'm going to pull it up right now. Here it is. This week, is she's reviewing 
the movie It, which is a Stephen King thing about scary clowns. Uh, here it is. Hey, everybody, it's Donna Shannon, and I am here to give you another slightly irrelevant review. Uh, what I want to talk to you about today is It. Yes, we're going to talk about It. You know, that whole terrifying movie about the clown who eats children, draws in the sewer, all the rest of those things. Yeah, there's more than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles down there. You might actually get eaten by a killer clown, if you're a kid. But uh, specifically, you know, there are two different types of It that came out. Beyond the book, of course, by Stephen King. That's the original source material. But there was the miniseries that came out in 1990 starring Tim Curry. There was It that came out in 2017 starring Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise the Clown. And then there's It Chapter 2 that came out in 2019. Specifically, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the original It with Tim Curry. This is the TV miniseries that gave my middle child, Jasmine, horrific nightmares, and a lifelong fear of clowns. Yes, that's entirely my fault. So how did that happen? Well, it was a TV miniseries. So me and my first husband were just sitting there in the living room watching the TV. And we had three kids at the time. And, you know, so it was like utter chaos all the time. And the kids were, my oldest was four, Jasmine was three, Malcolm was one. And so I don't think he was too impacted by what was going on in the TV. But anyways, all the time, the kids were just playing in the living room with their toys. They weren't paying that much attention all the time to the TV. But all of a sudden, it was one of those weird moments when things go completely quiet and everybody is just staring laser focused at the TV. But it's in the scene where one of the kids that Pennywise is like trying to terrify and just, you know, like the core group of nerds, uh, the Losers Club, I believe they call themselves. Uh, but this kid was in the showers at school. He's the only one there. All the shower heads start coming in at him, blasting hot water, hurting him towards the middle of the room through this big shower drain. And up in the shower drain come these huge clown hands extends the hole and then Pennywise's head pops out and you never saw so many terrified children in my living room as when Pennywise showed up out of the shower drain yeah so I am absolutely convinced that that was the scene that gave Jasmine the lifelong fear of clowns not to mention a lot of nervousness around really big shower drains just made them feel at unease forever. But here's the thing. Jasmine didn't remember that incident. They think they got the fear of clowns from when their grandparents took all the kids to the Ringling Brothers Circus and the clowns were doing this bit where they were like shoving people from the audience into a dryer or a washing machine. I don't know. I wasn't there. It does sound pretty awful. It, clowns can't trust him. Man, just freaky, freaky clowns. But then when It came out in 2017, 
and Jasmine was planning on going to opening night. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you going to see this? Aren't you terrified of clowns? And they're like, yeah, that's what's going to make it so good. All right, freaky child, whatever. But um, anyways, definitely if you want to talk a little bit more about the movies, Bill Skarsgård in the modern it's, I think, just is creepy as anything. Definitely nails that. Tim Curry's It from the 1990 definitely has some awesome moments, but here's the problem. The miniseries probably does follow the movie closer, or the, actually the book closer, in that it's uh, the kids are all the adults. They have to come back to Derry 27 years later because it is appearing again. They have to come back and honor their pack to try to kill it again. Um, whereas the modern one just does all the storyline with the kids, not flashbacks, not disjointed kind of storyline. Uh, and I think it's a lot more effective that way. Certainly they go a lot deeper into the terror and terrifying children and eating children and showing bloody children than the TV version does. So of course I'm going to like that better. So there you go. Definitely uh, one note on it, the TV series from 1990. I have to warn you about this so you're not mad at me later on. The ending is complete and total garbage. Yes, it's bad. It's really bad. Because, you know, you're already six hours invested into this thing. Because it was a TV miniseries, or however long it is. I don't remember. But it gets to that end, fight with the monster, and it's like the worst CGI, or not even CGI. It was a stop-at-motion animation, craptacular monster it was like okay it's not what is it it's what is it and it's a really big disappointment and definitely they do a better job of wrapping up the final storyline in chapter two from 2019 so there you go go renew your own terror of clowns and enjoy children getting eaten this has been donna shannon with slightly irrelevant reviews if you like what i'm doing please be sure to check out my own podcast Donna Shannon's Coyote Tales on all your major platforms. Later. Donna, Donna Shannon, uh, you know, I'm getting um, more out of those pieces. I'm uh, enjoying them. I hope you are too. Uh, and, you know what? Dairy Clowns are never my thing. I'm not going to be watching that movie. I promise you. <laughs> or even the uh, original uh, miniseries. I'm not sure if Robert Taylor is going to be joining us. Thursday is generally his day. I haven't heard from him in a couple of days now, so I'm not sure if he's going to be joining us. Kind of a weird week. Lori uh, is uh, kind of MIA. Uh, Lori's piece was supposed to air yesterday, uh, but she hadn't delivered a piece this week. I'm wondering if she's just getting burnt out with it, running out of idea. What? A, I don't know. I hope she's okay. I have not heard from her. I haven't seen her on social media. So I'm hoping uh, she's all right if, uh, you know, continue to support these people uh, regardless of whether they deliver a piece this week or not. Um, Jackie Martling's documentary. And listen, if you're a fan of uh, the old Stern show, the groundbreaking Stern show, not the crap that it is today. And I, I listen, I was 
never that big a fan of Howard Stern. Anyway, we've talked about that. But Jackie's documentary came out on Tuesday. I uh, don't know the name of it. The Joke Man, I think is the, the name of the documentary. Uh, it's out now. And if you were a fan of uh, groundbreaking days of Stern Show, uh, it's a must-see. It's now, in just in a couple of days, I believe it's number four on uh, Apple's, uh, Apple TV. It's doing really well, but uh, could always use more eyes on it. If you're a fan, check it out. The link uh, is all over my social media. If you follow me on social media, you'll see it. Uh, it's just like jenny.us. Uh, let me see what it is. Hold on a second. Yeah. Uh, so it, actually, I just got a thing from uh, it's fourth on uh, Apple TV, uh, Fittest on Earth, Retro Acts, The League, Lost Century, and the Joke, and just Joke Man is the uh, name of it. It's already got four uh, four stars, plenty of reviews, and doing very well. Uh, check that out and support Jackie. Now, Stand Up Memories, which Jackie uh, does with Peter Bells, is having its fourth uh, season start and premiere. I'm not sure. I think it's going to be. Listen, the voice is becoming Jordan Peterson, and this is like a daily thing now. I'm channeling Jordan Peterson. I think it's going to be at the uh, Titan Studios, uh, but they are doing it live. You can get live t- if you're on Long Island in, in the Plainview area, especially. You can go see it live and be part of the show live. It's the 23rd, I believe, is the taping, which is three days from now. That's Sunday? Yeah, it is. Um, I'm not sure of the, the date on that. I, you know what? I'll get back to you on that tomorrow. We'll find out the dates. I have an email about that. Uh, but they're doing it live. Um, so anyway, uh, again, I'm not sure if Robert's going to be joining us. Uh, Robert seems, I hate to have a Marine MIA. Right now, I want to um, talk about uh, the Rogan clips. And I'm going to play these clips and see if I can uh, point out some. They're kind of long, and I, I appreciate and You know, if I could cut them up, I didn't have time to cut them up. I just saw them last night. But they're both about lack of self-awareness. I'm going to, um, let's see here. Um, hold on one second here. You know, I see Robert's in the back. I'm going to bring him in in one second. He can help me comment on some of these if, if he so chooses. Uh, first one I want to play is the one with Segura. It's seven minutes long. I don't think I'm going to play the whole thing, but I just want to get some of it and get give you some commentary on it because the lack of self-awareness is astonishing here. Um, Cop. Here. And every time you pull someone over, yeah. you are... You've, we've all seen those videos of cops getting shot. Oh, yeah. We've all seen those yeah. videos yeah. of cops pulling people over and then the windows explode and people fire on them. We've all seen those. They've seen them too. They know people who've been shot. They have no idea who you are. They have no idea what's going on. So when they come up to that car, they are at a heightened state. They have to be. They are literally, to a criminal, they're the professional enemy. Their job is to be the enemy of the criminal. It's a fucking crazy position to be in in society. And we don't treat it with enough respect. And when 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 it goes badly... All we think about is that officer, and that's a representative of all police officers. But it's not true. It's true. I think a lot of people, too, it's, it's kind of hard. Like, a lot of people, they go into getting pulled over with a heightened sense of emotion themselves. Sure. Which, if you are that person getting pulled over for whatever you got pulled over for, if that's your, like, mentality in that moment, 
you are actually going to escalate things. You are as the person getting older. 100%. Older. And, and it, it does take an effort to go, okay, this guy, like you said, he's walking up here in a heightened state. Yeah. Like I can diffuse things. My, I can diffuse them. Yes. By how I conduct this. Yes. But some people, you know, the, you, first you have the people that are like the legal scholars who want to lecture the police officer on, on his rights. Like, yeah, you can do that, man. Right. Or there's the, I have friends even. I have friends who are like, I hate cops. Cops are all pigs, you know, like, and I've, I've watched them speak to police officers in a way where I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Like, it's so disrespectful. So stupid. I go, yeah, you, I go, but you are making this worse. Right. All right. Now, I'm going to stop right there. First of all, the lack of self-awareness in this piece. Now, this is all the, the title of this clip, and Rogan put this clip out there, was about entitlement. Good morning, Robert, by the way. I didn't say good morning to you. How are you? Uh, basically, uh, the the uh, crux of this whole clip is about people feeling entitled. Now, you have two rich celebrities talking about what to do when pulled over by a cop to avoid escalating a situation or, or making the cop feel uh, more nervous and more threatened by you. Neither of these guys have black skin or dark color, you know, people of color at all. Both of them are well-known celebrities. They have no idea what it is. You know, put yourself in the shoes of a young black kid, say, you know, early 20s. He's not a celebrity. Nobody knows who he is. And he's got in his head all the shootings and and police brutality that he's seen committed on young black youth. You're going to tell him, you know what, the best, the best scenario for you is just to submit yourself and be respectful. And obviously, it's easier to do when you are a rich celebrity and everybody knows you. And these guys have no awareness of this. They are just um, basically coming at it from their own perspective without having any sense of what goes on for real people. I'm going to continue this. I, I'm not sure if this is the right point. Here. I am less. I, I have a real trigger, too, for, like, disrespect or even perceived disrespect, you know, where I I then become, like, I've, I mean, I almost got arrested at an airport one one time for this you know i ended up calling the tsa agent a pig but <laughs> but again that was a few years ago but this was like this i looked at her and i was like and in my mind i was i was i could have said like escalated things and i just thought i go you know what this like i don't know why she's an asshole i don't know what's going on i just went yeah i think i'm just gonna sleep i go i'm just gonna sleep she's like okay and just walked away and she was like she was clearly rude yeah and and like i'd never been spoken like most flight attendants when you go i'm gonna i was gonna sleep she's they're, they're like yeah I'll, ch I'll check on you later see if you want to eat then like yeah we'll keep it warm for you they, they're yeah they're, she was so rude but i just was like just why make this a thing you know i was just yeah. like i go i'm just gonna sleep it might Thank be you. hard to find people to do that now all right, now I'm just gonna. Uh, you missed. I I came in a little bit late on that clip, but what he's talking about there is he's flying uh, first class on uh, you know commercial airline, and he asked for uh, for breakfast, 
and they're serving lunch and the stewardess says, no, we're doing lunch now. This is what happens. They prepare uh, a mass meal in before they board the plane because they know this is the lunch hour. He's asking for breakfast. The flight attendant says to him, we're doing lunch now. And he feels like, how dare you not serve me the meal that I want, even though everybody else is doing this now. It's that time now. Don't you know who I am? I'm in first class. I, it's so rude of you not to give me breakfast when I want breakfast. Uh, and again, this is about entitlement. They're complaining about entitled people here uh, and people of entitlement. And there they are acting like, hey, you know what? I deserve better than that. Good morning, Robert. I, I'm just commenting, as you see, on the Joe Yeah, I saw, I saw that clip when it came out, too, uh, the other day. It's always, when it always starts out, whatever topic they're on, it could be, they could be talking about a mass murder or something like that, and Joe Rogan always throws in, hey, some of my best friends are mass murderers, or yeah, I know, I, I know a <laughs> lot of mass murderers. Or, it, it, it doesn't matter what it is, he's got friends, or he knows somebody who did it. It's yeah. remarkable how many uh, friends both of these guys, uh, Segura too. Like, I have friends who just uh, are rude to cops all the time. Like, you hang out with a lot of normal people. Yeah. I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't see it. Well, when he he got me when he first started talking about the um, incident, he says a TSA agent. And I'm sitting here thinking, no, they would have bitch slapped your ass and had you in a cubicle with their hand up your ass, body cavity searching you if that had been a TSA agent. But then he's, I find out he's talking about a flight attendant. Right. You know, yeah. yeah, I don't know where, you know, I don't fly first class. I flew first class last year. I treated myself on my birthday when I flew to Hawaii and back, right? And, uh, but it was, wasn't like old first class. It, it wasn't a, I mean, it was kind of a joke. It was, the only difference was he had more leg room. Right. So I don't know what he was expecting on, First class. And, it's you know, the, the irony of it being about entitled people, and they're just worried about people who aren't rich acting entitled, but their entitlement is off the charts. Like, I deserve breakfast. I deserve you create a special meal for me in advance before we take off so that if I want anything, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or even a late-night snack, you have it ready for me. And it's rude if you don't. And And... Listen, I appreciate. Uh, unlike Rogan, I'm a fan of Tom Segura's comedy. Yeah, I like the too. More I hear of him, I'm not a fan of his uh, personality at all. He um, he was outraged that homeless people are allowed to have property. Uh, on a previous clip with Rogan, he was talking about uh, if you try to take, like, if they're a homeless person, they've been put. If you've been put out of your home for whatever reason, and you take your uh, belongings with you. People don't have a right to go through, and he was outraged that people don't have a right to just take your belongings. If you if you leave, you're thrown out of your home, and you have a bureau, a dresser full of precious memories and all your life belongings in there, one little drawer thing. People aren't allowed to touch that. How dare they uh, have protected property? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Are they not human beings? Still, you want people to lose their home and lose everything. If you lose your home for whatever reason, you should leave all your belongings behind and have absolutely nothing. That's Tom Segura's. Well, yeah, then you got to put it in perspective. They live in an altered reality because he's on there bitching about not getting breakfast on a commercial flight. 
Right. But if you go back a few episodes, Rogan, before or some other interviews, he's on there talking about how he treats himself to a private jet, you know, in between stops. I think on that clip, he actually says, I don't fly commercial anymore. He just goes to. Yeah, yeah. private jets because it's more convenient uh, in between stops and stuff like that. You know, uh, they forget where they come from, man. Yeah. You know, fame and fortune or whatever, you know, does that. Matter of fact, I forgot. I got to check and see if I won the freaking Powerball last night. Uh, <laughs> this could be my last show. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> or you could be, you could own the show uh, yeah. if you want. But those, um, those guys, man, they love to talk, you know, they love to talk about where they came from and how tough it was coming up and stuff like that. But then they forget. Yeah, there's, yeah. Still, there's still other people. You know, how about the person that's just, how about the flight attendant? You know, she could be doing some, I forget what they call them, where they go from one place to another and turn around and go right back again. Uh, the turnaround or whatever with no rest. She could have been on some double shift or or whatever, having a bad day or, right. or, or you know. And let me just say this about that, that what you're talking about is this idea of forgetting where you came from. It, we tend to think that, it, that happens to everybody, but I have interviewed plenty of celebrities now, and uh, I've talked to many celebrities, and some of them are still down to earth, regular people, and they treat you as an equal, even though they've had all this celebrity and and big time fame and and fortune, but they don't lose track of, of the fact that we are just people, uh, so it's not something that has to happen just because you become uh, yeah famous or. A lot of that's who you are, you know. Right. It's a lot just because you uh, achieve fame and fortune. What's the old saying? Uh, zebras don't change their stripes or whatever. You know, you still who you are right. deep down inside. It's just like when they say, uh, if someone who has really, really poor money management skills and you know lives paycheck to paycheck, if they win the Powerball, it usually they don't change their they don't change their habits and they end up losing all the money, you know, pissing it away or whatever. It's the same thing with how people behave because, yeah, like you're saying, I mean, I, especially when I lived out in California and San Diego and stuff, I mean, I used to meet celebrities all the time. A lot of them were like local celebrities, like, uh, you know, Padres players and Charger players. Cause I worked in a bar it was near the stadium and they would come in there. And for the most part, most of them acted like regular people. Yeah. You know, they did. Yeah. I mean, so it's how you were raised, you know, and how you grew up and taught to behave. And if you're if you were a shit growing up, you know, you can play for the cameras and you can play the game to progress up through the ranks or whatever in your profession. But then once they get to a certain point, man, you find out who they really are. It's an entitlement attitude, and there's two guys who are talking about entitlement attitudes who display it, and no self-awareness that this is going right over their head that they're talking about themselves. With what I wanted to play that clip, uh, and I thought it was uh, it it was irony in on display there. Uh, I have another one. I'm it's 13 minutes long. I'm not going to play that. Um, When I started this the show this morning, I said. And, and you being in South Carolina, I'm wondering if you know about the last night in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, or early this morning, tornadoes hitting that area uh, were, were a major story on my uh, phone that came up. I haven't seen anything about it. Do you know anything about that? 
No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't checked. I haven't been online to check the news or anything. How far are you? How far are you from then, uh, Rocky Point? Rocky Mountain. That's, that's Rocky Mountain. Okay. At least three hours. It's okay. on. It's it's north of where your brother lives. It's north of uh, Raleigh Durham. That's right. I, I know. I go through there on the when on the drive down. Uh, and because I, I always equate it with Rocky Point, which is the town next door, which is why I just said Rocky Point, Rocky Mount. And then I start singing Rocky Top. As I'm trying to, <laughs> I went to by it. there about a month ago, yeah, over in Tennessee. Rocky Top, Tennessee. Rocky it's Top, Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, wonder... I, haven't, um, I haven't heard anything about it. That's not that rare around here. Uh, we're in hurricane season two now. We haven't gotten a hurricane yet. But I said yeah. something, I think I said something, I don't know if it was on here or not, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about how, you know, it was a slow news day. Uh, they're, they're just, the news crews were just hoping on a, a school shooting or something, because there's nothing going on, or a tornado or whatever to fill the news day. And yeah, if nothing else is going on, that'll be a big story. They'll send the, the, the top correspondents to Rocky Mountain, everything like that. But as soon as they find out Trump's been indicted again or <laughs> Biden fell on a banana peel or something, then you forget all about it, man. Or Jason Aldean has created a fake outrage about his song yeah, in order right. to bump you know what? I was riding my bike. I was listening to you when you were talking about that. And uh, that made me think of uh, something. And I know exactly where they got that from. It's the one, the one country singer, Morgan Whalen or whatever. About a year ago, he used the N-word. They, they found some footage of him using the N-word, and he got canceled for about a week. And they all they did was they just turned it around and said, oh, man, he's getting canceled. You know, he's a good, God-loving country music. And now and now he's, like, back at the top of the charts. Right. And I'll bet you what happened was, I don't know if he's in the same uh, record company or whatever as Aldine, but I bet you they looked at that and said, well, well we could try this. Yep, absolutely. That's what it and and uh, Morgan now has, uh, I think, four songs in the top forty right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it worked, and that, yeah, and, and they're using that a lot now, not just in music or entertainment, in real life. Yeah, you know, they're using that. He's a kid rock wannabe. If you look at him, he he looks like he he grew up his whole life wanting to be uh, kid rock. I mean, his personality, the way he carries himself, all that stuff. I don't want to start bashing him now because I bash enough people. But uh, this is definitely the mindset in Nashville now: is create outrage about stuff, and, and maybe that'll help. Because uh, and. Uh, unfortunately, both sides buy into it. First, they create this uh, false outrage. They put the calls out and say, oh, well, that's terrible. And you get a bunch of bots saying that the uh, um, Jason Aldean song is terrible and racist and, and violent, promotes violence. And then the left says, wait, what? we don't know about this. They go into it and they check it out. And, oh, yeah, it does. And then they start yeah. on it. And then the right folk comes back. Well, that's cancel culture. And we can't allow these woke people to shut stuff down. And now both sides are fighting about it. Meanwhile, he's rising in the charts from a song that sucks and was dead in the water anyway. Well, that's what the uh, that's what the marketing people hope is that the other side is going to buy it, you know, take the bait and buy into it. So then it just elevates the exposure. You yeah. know, and then everybody buys into it, and this guy's sitting back just making the money on some shit song, you know, that that shouldn't be. The for a reason wasn't moving up the charts, you know. And All right, here's what I want to do. 
I want you to say something really uh, complimentary about uh, the, the leader of uh, North Korea there. And I will put out, uh, South Carolina, a uh, former Marine, says uh, thing, glowing things about North Korea's uh, <laughs> leader. And then we'll cause some outrage about it. And then everybody will be watching your reels and stuff and you'll blow up. Yeah, you know what's funny is I was sitting there yesterday looking at that story about that army soldier that freaking whatever you want to call it, I don't, uh, he deserted. But, but this is how stupid he is. This just shows how stupid some people are. Okay, he because I was in I was in South Korea before. He got in trouble for um, doing some damage to a, a Korean cop car. And I think he punched a citizen in the face or something. So he did some time. I think he did a few months and he had to pay some restitution. So the, the worst that was going to happen to him was he would, they were going to put him on a plane. They ship him back to Texas to his unit. They probably throw him in the brig for a while. He goes through the process and they kick him out of the army. That's right. what was going to happen to him. It's not going to be some big story or whatever like that. So this moron decides <laughs> he's going to he's going to desert to North Korea. Okay, first of all, he's going to North Korea, which has, I looked it up, which has the highest uh, modern slavery rate on the planet. They right. ship their own citizens out to Russia and other countries as slaves, right? He's going to desert to a country that has the highest slavery rate in the world, and he's probably the only black person in the whole country. Right. Right. So what are the odds that he's going to be singled out? Right. So he he has no idea what he's done. And he's probably not coming out. Yeah, no. There's a, a reason uh, people enlist in the army. Uh, <laughs> not to not to say, uh, you know, it's the worst uh, as far as IQ. Uh, the worst of the uh, armed forces in in the United States is the people who enlisted the enlisted people in the army. And I don't mean everybody who enlists in the army, but they do take people with you know who could barely uh, graduate high school. Sometimes with, you know, people who couldn't graduate high school. This is what the army is all about. It's the lowest uh, IQ. Um, well, it's, it's the largest. It's the largest branch, so they have right. to take. They have to take enough people to get in there. Right. You know, uh, I was in a. I was in the army before I was in the Marines. Really. Mm -hmm. How, I, that's the first I've ever heard of anybody switching, and I know it, it's not that well, uncommon. It was a. It was in the Army National Guard, but I still went through Army boot camp. And at Fort Seal, Oklahoma, and then I was in. Uh, the reason I got out was uh, I just I was bored and I wanted to go somewhere. I wanted to travel or whatever. And there was so much nepotism in the National Guard. Right. For I mean, because it's where you live, and it's like cousins and uncles and brothers all in there together. I mean, my father and brother were in the same unit I was in, but uh, I was working in a textile plant at night on the graveyard shift and then I would do the national guard drill on the weekend and stuff like that. And I was like, man, I joined the dance. This will show you how screwed up that was. I joined the Marines to get out of the freaking textile mill and the national guard, yeah. you know, it's like, uh, but, uh, when I joined the Marines, I thought boot camp was going to be the same as the army. And I showed up with this big luggage, this big suitcase. So I had beach swim trunks. I had, towels, underwear, and they took all that. You don't take anything to Marine Corps boot camp. They take everything you have. Right. And they make you pay for everything that you get. In the Army, you don't pay. You right. Don't, you just turn it in. But 
there's the mentality is it doesn't even compare, man. Like uh, I'm right. doing a show. I'm doing a show next, not this weekend, but the next weekend. It's like this armed forces comedy competition in Fayetteville, up where Fort Bragg is, and it'll be mostly army people. It's in a big theater. It'll be mostly an army crowd, and I'll do my stuff, man. And I, and I get on them, you know, the whole time. But you're right. It's uh, since it is the largest branch. Yeah. They take an awful lot of uh, too many people who really shouldn't be serving at all. Uh, but let, let me ask you uh, about this. First of all, you said Fort Bragg. Is it still Fort Bragg? I thought they were going to change the name. They, uh, they might. I don't know if they changed the name of that one yet or not. Yeah. I haven't heard it. I don't um, think so. But more importantly, when you were going through boot camp as a Marine who was formerly in an Army National Guard, did you, uh, did Marines give you any shit about that? Because Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Um, there was another guy in my platoon at Paris Island who used to tell everybody he was prior sir. I never told any. They knew it on my record. I don't know if the drill instructors knew that or not. I never told anyone during boot camp, never, because if they, when they did find out about it, you paid the price, man. Because he did, just one guy did. He paid the price. That's what I, I would think that, because uh, you know, just from hearing the stories, my brother told me. Now, my brother was twenty eight when he enlisted in the Marines, and that was like almost to the cutoff point. Like, yeah, it's gotta be. Point. And they yeah. used to call him Grandpa in boot camp, and you know, and but he was trying to compete with the eighteen-year-olds and all that stuff. It was really difficult. Well, when, yeah, when I went in the Marines, I was like almost twenty-one. Uh, but the thing about it was, when I was in an uh, Army boot camp at Fort Sill, that's where they used to send the Marines after boot camp that were going to be in the field artillery. They had to, they went to Fort Sill. And they still had a drill instructor with them because they couldn't leave them loose on an army base, you know, but they went to the same chow hall. So every day at chow, we'd have to stand there and we'd watch them march. It'd just be like a platoon and they would march in and man, you'd just be sitting there thinking, this guy's got their shit together. It, it, you would, you'd be, it was like, you're sitting watching, man. I never forgot that. You know, when I, I didn't, that's not why I joined the Marines. I just joined the Marines because I, I was trying to get into air force and I got in and they wanted me to wait like eight months to leave because so many people were trying to get in. And, and the Marine recruiter got my name and called me and said, hey, man, you can leave next month if you want to. And so that's why I joined the Marines because I could leave <laughs> the next month. Uh, that's it. That's it. Well, we learned something new about you today. Now, a <laughs> uh, tornado in North Carolina severely damaged the Pfizer plant. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I guess we're going to be short on vaccines now. Uh, I don't know if that's where they actually. Yeah, uh, you know what? When I when I was in the Marines, I came home for leave one time, and I drove one night. I went to play basketball. It was like about a half hour away, and I drove back. And it was there was like when we were playing basketball indoors, it was raining, a big storm outside, and I drove back. And the town I'm from was was from about ten or twelve thousand people, and as I was getting close to town. It was real dark, man. It was like, uh, you know, it was a rural area anyway. But there was, and then I see a lot of uh, ambulance lights and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, man, there must have been a lot. There must be a big wreck. Yeah. And I, didn't, I didn't realize I was actually in town. I thought I was on the outskirts of town. And while I was gone, a tornado had come through. It was a huge, it was a big deal back then, like 83 or something like that. And it had just, it, it was like a 50 mile stretch. It had dropped down and just cut through. 
and it wiped out an entire shopping center right there. And, it, and the place was kind of new too, man. I bet that Pfizer plant was one of those metal, those metal buildings though. Yeah, it, the pic, the pictures, yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like one of those steel buildings, but it looks like an atom bomb hit it. It's it really. Uh, I'm they come up, they, the difference. The thing people think hurricanes are bad, but you know that a hurricane's coming. Right. You don't know the tornado's coming. They they tell you that it might come. There's a watch, whatever. But those things just drop down, man, out of nowhere. Well, the only uh, being from up here, uh, I the only uh, tornadoes I knew about actually happened in the middle of a hurricane. Like this is this is pretty common up here. We get these small twisters within a hurricane, and New York, they would uproot trees and stuff. But my first. Um, real experience with a tornado I was hitchhiking from Portales, New Mexico to Lubbock, Texas. And there there was a tornado while we were out on the road and we just all we could do was like lay in a ditch and hope it passed over us. It didn't come exactly where I was. But the hailstorms, there were we were laying in the ditch and we were getting pummeled with like gigantic hailstones and we were afraid to get up. Then, so, uh, when I was at Four Seal in Oklahoma, which isn't far from where you're talking about I was in the artillery, and they had they had these cannons. They look like tanks. They're called howitzers, right? Right. And you, you would get inside of them like a tank. And we had a uh, tornado come up while we were out in the field. We got and it was hell, like you know, quarter size hell. And we got inside that thing. They weighed like sixty tons, though. They were it wasn't moving. Yeah. But we got in there during a hell storm too, man. Those things were real bad in the Southwest. Yeah, scary, scary storm. I think tornadoes are the scary because I've been now, I've been in just about every kind of natural, uh, natural disaster. You can, I've seen many hurricanes, been through some floods, some real bad floods, the uh, perfect storm flood, been through earthquakes, and but I would say tornadoes are the, been through fires too, but I would say tornadoes are the scariest thing that I've ever. Encountered. You know, uh, my oldest son was born in Pennsylvania, western, uh, eastern Pennsylvania near Wilkesbury, and uh, we stayed there for the first summer when he was born uh, with my uh, former in-laws, and I was, we were doing something, and like a, a storm came up or whatever, and they had a tornado touchdown, like, you know, like 15-minute drive away. Wow. I didn't even know about it until the next day. It was in the newspapers. It was a big deal or whatever like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's going on with you now? Uh, you picked up some new shows in the, yeah. uh, uh, in the last week that I saw you were posting about them. What's going on with you? Well, I'm going to uh, Virginia uh, Saturday to open up for another improv show. Next week, on Wednesday, I'll be up by your brother. I'll be in Durham, I think. I'm doing like about 20 minutes at that one. And then the Saturday, it's about 10 days from now, I'm doing the uh, the Armed Forces uh, one. At, I think it's it's in Fayetteville. I guess it's still Fort. It's not on Fort Bragg, but that's wh- that's why they're having it at that area. But what it is, I think they had about. It's kind of like the World Series of Comedy deal where they had about five different satellites or whatever you want to call them, where you qualify or whatever. And uh, there's five of us, I think, that are in the semifinals at this one. And the winner goes to Hollywood for the um, final or whatever. You only do five minutes. You do one set, five minutes, and that's it. Wow. But the, the lady that's running it, I sent you that information about Robin. Uh, I had done some shows for her in Charleston. 
and she works with that Best Medicine Brigade that does a lot of stuff for veterans. I think they're actually working for the uh, vet, the VA, out of there. They get some kind of support out of it, and, and they put this together. So, yeah, that will be fun. It's in this theater, and the shows that they've been having or been selling, I mean, they had one at the convention center in San Diego. It was sold out, right. which is another military town, too. Right. Um, I'm doing uh, full band shows at the VA. Generally, the VA, I always perform solo, but in August, August 18th, we're doing August 19th. August 19th, we're doing a uh, full band show at the VA up here. Uh, but in there, you, you're performing for all the services, including Coast Guard. <laughs> well, that's my closer. I can't yeah. give it away. Somebody might be watching the show. <laughs> that's my closing joke. I'll send it. I'm going to video. I'll send it to you. But that's what I close with. I have a, yeah. <laughs> I have a joke on that. And see, the thing about it is they'll all gang, they'll all gang in on it because it'll be mostly Army. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be using a different branch and they get in on it. But yeah, they the inner service rivalry, man. You gotta use that, especially when you do those. We played a party, a private party for Coast Guard and Merchant Marine people uh, one time, and it, it was just so odd because it was the farthest thing from what you would picture as military people. These were it seemed like, and on Long Island, I'm sure this is probably because uh, this was the Atlantic Beach area of Long Island. And it's it probably pretty common, but it, it was just drunk old boaters that ended yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I used to say I used to say the Coast Guard was a cross between the Sheriff's Department and the Geek Squad at Best Buy. Yeah, or yeah. basically fishing boat captains who who just happened to get enlisted somehow. That's what they are. They're they're, they're basically people who go out on the weekends getting really drunk. <laughs> and and they have big boats, and then Coast Guard says, "Hey, you qualify as a captain. You got your captain's license. We're gonna we're gonna well, give you." <laughs> they get to down in San Diego, though. They get to bust all the cartels trying to bring the drugs up, right? And the submarines and all that crap like that. That'd be a good place to be stationed if you were in the Coast Guard, I guess. Yeah, San Diego is a whole different. And but you know, I will say this: we take I oh, sometimes take a ferry over to Connecticut from where I am. And uh, since nine eleven, things have really changed with that. Every time you take a ferry from Port Jefferson, Long Island to Bridgeport, Connecticut, there are gunboats <laughs> that accompany uh, uh, the I took, ferry. I took that ferry before. I used to be a lifeguard at the beach in Bridgeport. Wow. My brother my brother lived there. His uh, That's what a joke I made when you were talking about the uh, Massapequa Park killer or whatever. His wife, they, that's where they're from. They all went to high school at Massapequa. Wow. And uh, we used to take that ferry across. Like, I went over there for Thanksgiving or something like that for family get-togethers. But I was a, I was a lifeguard at that freaking beach right there where the ferry comes out. And the, I don't know if you've ever been to that beach before, but it's on the other side of the freaking ghetto. Yeah, I know. Right there. And no one comes to the beach. No one ever went to the beach. So we got paid and we just all the we just played beach volleyball all day or no yeah. one came to the beach. A lot of that around here. I mean, there are lots of I had plenty of those jobs when I was a kid. Uh beach attendants and lifeguards and where nobody would go. My beach if I go down to the beach right now, I'd be shocked if there's anybody on that beach. And it's a pristine beach, but nobody ever goes there. And it's not cool. We're on a ghetto, but uh, not too far as a nuclear power plant. There's this one was. <laughs> yeah, this one had the chiropractic school right there. I guess it's still there. And we could go in there for $7, and the students would adjust us for $7. But there was some place 
right across where the water comes in, you know what I'm talking about. It's right over there. It was like this old, used to be a thriving place like years and years ago. And back, this was back in the uh, mid 90s kind of. And the word was Trump was going to develop that into a casino and stuff. I don't remember what that place was called. It never happened, though. Right. Uh, we do have some casinos here now, but they're uh, they're not full real casinos. They're not like Las Vegas or Atlantic City casinos uh, uh, where you can go in and play anything. They're mostly slot machine uh, type of places. Uh, I just remembered that Jason sent me uh, a, something to promo. His uh, comedy feedback thing. I'm just looking it up right now. A, uh, I'll find out what it is. Hold on, I'm pulling it up. But it's a discount thing for. Oh yeah, the code. You get like a twenty yeah. percent off or something. Twenty five dollar, twenty five dollar discount code. Uh, uh, for viewers, the the code is Mind Dog. Just when you go to comedyfeedback.com, you can use the code Mind Dog and get twenty five dollars off. Uh, your introduction there and your you know consultation on that so that's a good thing that's another reason i'm doing that uh show in virginia because i need another longer set video to send him for the feedback um now what do you do with that do you just use a phone what are you bringing yeah let's use a phone it can, actually i found in these improv theaters they're usually kind of small so if i use my tripod it's like six feet tall or whatever no one walks in front of the camera, and I get a good, I get a good uh, quality video out of it. I mean, not I'm not going to send it to a booker. I'm just, you could, I guess, but I'm I'm getting it so he can hear what's going on or whatever. Right. You know what's cool now, and I don't know if you're doing this already, but uh, I have these little wireless uh, mics that plug right yeah. into your phone, and so you, even though you're using the mic on stage, you could have one of those on your lapel and get. Pristine I need to get audio. one of those because JP was talking about it when he was on your show. Yeah, I need to get one of those. Um, yeah, I'm. Well, I'm still waiting to get my videos back from the World Series shows I did. Do they wait till it's all done? They they're not gonna. Yeah, wait. well, they they say give them four weeks because they got so many people that they gotta edit the videos for. Yeah, I After bet. They, yeah, so when I get that one, uh, the one in Texas, especially that should be a good one. But you're always looking for a, a new one, you know. Right. New material because by the time I do, uh, like even on the videos that I did for World Series, some of those jokes I've already updated or changed, you yeah. know. So, one of the things, and I don't want to mention uh, the guy's name because I don't want there's a big it's kind of I, I'm almost reluctant to talk about, but I think it's an important thing to talk about. John Lockin, who uh, runs the Road Comics of America, yeah. one of his favorite expressions is cannibalism, where you know, people, comedians, charging comedians. Oh, by the way, I got to say goodbye to Gubs really quick because they're getting ready to do a show. Uh, bye, Gubs. We'll talk to you, uh, I don't know, tomorrow or something. Um, comedians charging comedians for, for stuff, and that's something that pisses him off. Now, I have a friend who has been on this program comedian who uh was advertising so you think you're a headliner i will give you 30 minutes of time and and you will be the headliner on the show pay for 125 dollars yeah but you with that 125 dollars what it gets you is the 30 minute headlining spot you get a three camera a video shoot editing you get a professional videotape that you can review and you can see if you're really the headliner that you think you are and but he took so much abuse on social media that he had to pull that down comedians you know 
really reluctant uh, or angered over the hundred twenty-five. Yeah, piece. because he's probably well, he's probably also charging people to get into the show. Yeah, and that's what I was confused about was who gets the proceeds from the tickets. This you're telling telling this person they're headlining and expecting them to tell all their friends and family to come. Now they're going to buy tickets to come in. Who's getting that money? Is it get, are they getting that money back to recoup their hundred twenty five dollars, or are they getting a portion of it? Or you know what's the deal there? None of that was made clear. Yeah, but I, mean, I do think $125 is still... Yeah, their comment's not getting any money. If they're making you pay, then you're not, I guarantee you they're not getting any money. Yeah. And you see that a lot, man, everywhere. You hear people throw up these shows, and they'll throw these shows up. They're like dinner shows. You pay like $35, and you get dinner and the, and the comedy show and stuff like that. And then they're not even paying the comics. Right. But people will do it. But see, that's what screws it up is... You'll get these younger new comics and they'll do it. And that's what screws everything up is, you know, I, I tell people a lot of times, I says, just because somebody asks you to be on the show doesn't mean you need to be on the show. You know, yeah. you, need, you need to check it out. And It's really hard when you're just starting out to turn yeah, down you anything. You want to get stage time. You want you want to get the experience. All of that stuff, uh, and I I used to be on that bandwagon with with music in the old days that people were doing door gigs or you know basically we we don't pay you, you get the door. I got enough doors. I got enough doors and windows to build a mansion. Uh, <laughs> but and the people who were willing to do that made it harder for professional uh, musicians to actually get paying gigs because the club owners get to expect that anybody will work for the door now. And that's not true. You get what you pay for. But I, I've been off that for a long time, but I used to take some abuse. But here's the thing with, with, with the comedian who put out that 30-minute headlining thing, $125. It makes me feel bad that people feel like they need to publicly abuse him over that rather than have a conversation and say, because I, I do think he went into it with the best of intentions. He wasn't looking to rip off comedians. He's yeah, looking you, get, at, you get some people like that. Uh, they have no idea what they're doing. Right. What what that's what the backlash is going to be on that or whatever. They're trying. They just want to be like, oh, I'll, I'll be a comedy promoter. I'll produ I'll produce comedy shows. And the next thing you know, you're public enemy number one. Yeah, on yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of being just a, able to have a conversation about it, people just jump to, oh, what are you rip off? You're, you know, and that bothers me. I mean, let, come back with, you know, what's the deal on this fair compensation for the tickets? Who's getting, you know, who's getting the admission money, all that kind of stuff. And you need to think this through a little more clearly and have an open and honest discussion about it rather than just burying the guy. And then, you know, I think you kill a lot of possibility and opportunity for improvement. If you just come at it just as, from an angry perspective, I don't know. It yeah, who knows, man, maybe, that guy might have a connection for a venue and maybe after you talk to him behind the scenes, he realizes, Oh yeah, cool. Right, man. And then maybe he turns it into a show where it's a free show. And he does, a lot of times they'll do free shows and have tips and they'll let the comic split the tips. Uh, and sometimes you make more money than you would if they paid you straight up. Not always, but sometimes, but at least you're getting something and, and he's not charging people to get in there. Um, or it could be where he's going to charge people five bucks to get in and he's telling you, oh, I'll give you $25 to do five minutes or, you know, so at least it, it benefits everyone and he gets to still put a show on and you get to still have a stage to do 
you know, get stage time. It works for everybody instead of you butcher him online and now there's no place for you to go on stage and the whole thing shot, you know? Yeah. My, uh, my take on that is if you think you're a headliner, but you're not sure, you're not. You're not. You're not. If you need to, to do this 30 minutes and tape yourself to see if you're a headliner or not, you're not. You're definitely not. You can't. There was a, there's a girl that came comes to the open mic, one of the open mics here, and she was talking about she's getting ready to put out her second special. Okay, right? She's doing open mic. She doesn't have a tight two minutes. Yeah. She said, she said but so this other comic said he found her special. And all it was was she was in some showcase or it was it looks like an open mic is what it is, but it was in a comedy club or something. And she filmed it with her phone and she's doing like three minutes on a decent stage in a comedy club. And she put it up. She put it up as her special. <laughs> it is special. It's the only it's the only comedy show that's three minutes long in an open mic setting. That makes it pretty special. But that, but that's, that, but that shows you right there. Yeah, the mentality. How, how ignorant and delusional a lot of the comics are, especially the beginning comics are, that you can prey on them. Right. You know, that, that, that they don't know any better. And it's sad because you think, God, man, you think they know better than that. But they don't. And even if they find out that, you know, they do realize it, they don't care at that point. They're just like, oh, man, I'll get stage time, you know, or. Yeah. Somebody you know, should do some, you know, how Jerry Seinfeld did the, uh, um, the comedian documentary or whatever. I've seen one before, but it's not hardcore. Somebody needs to do a legitimate one where they're following people like a, a handful of people around to these real open mics at the freaking Pizza Hut or um, you know, some freaking laundromat or whatever. Where the, I'm talking about the ones where there's. I did one in San Diego. It wasn't even an open mic. It was a showcase. And there was four people at two tables sitting right in front of me on a patio. And I did, I did like 15 minutes for, right. <laughs> but that's what they need to do is follow that kind of stuff around. You know? Yeah. You know, uh, as you were saying that I was thinking of a guy who was on the program five years ago now. And, uh, he, I'm not going to say his name, but he was, uh, obsessed with uh, being famous and he had never really done anything. Uh, and he was on the show. On, he, he wrote to me, wanted to be on the show to talk about, he's from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he was wanted to talk about his gay bashing because he came out as gay <laughs> and he was beaten. His, his story was he got beat up, got his teeth knocked out at a gay pride parade. Uh, and uh, he, that's what he wanted to talk about. I thought, well, that's a, a worthy discussion. I invited him on. And the minute he, uh, I saw him in that window that you're in, and I saw him, he had his back turned to me. I'm like, I'm not sure I should introduce this guy. What's, what's the problem? I, I, and so finally I introduced him, and he did this big spin around. He had his jacket on and bare chest, and across he had his name plus the entertainer on it. And I was like, what the hell is this? He, and he just started talking about wanting to be famous, and he had to get on Ellen DeGeneres. That was his main goal. I got to get on Ellen. I got to get famous, man. This is my thing. And I was like, for what? Uh, first of all, you you made this about a gay bashing. So you're on here under false pretenses anyway. You you wanted to talk about a gay bashing, and now all you want to do is, is talk about getting famous. You're using this stuff. Then I looked into it. And people were questioning whether he was really even gay or not, or was just using that as as part yeah. of like. 
and I just look for him, and he's off. To, he's got no presence on the internet, uh, so uh, he, he must have given up on his dream. But there's so much of that. People, when I talked about this last night with my guest, about so many people just want to be famous. Yeah. They don't really care about what it is that, or getting good at what they do, or, or any of that. What do you want to be famous for? I don't care. I just need to be famous. Like and, they'll, and they'll look for any shortcut. They, they don't. They don't care about doing the work or. Right. Or a product. They just don't. They'll, any shortcut, man. They'll take any shortcut to get it. What a waste! What a waste of, of time and, and life energy. I mean, fame and in and of itself is not a word. Uh, one of the open mics the other night, there were some younger comics sitting out front, and they were talking about. Of course, you'll love this. They were talking about big Matt Rife got on there, and they were talking about. Oh yeah, he. It was. They were talking about Matt Rife and somebody else. About, yeah, man, he just he was just popped overnight and this stuff. I said that's bullshit. I said you got. I said you guys don't. I said look it up. I said the guy's been doing comedy for over ten years. I said I said he didn't pop overnight. I said what happened was he had a leg up because he was he was in the entertainment industry. He was on the, the NBC sitcom or reality show or whatever it was. So when he went to the comedy store, he didn't have to do what I would have to do is put my name in a bucket with a hundred other people and hope I'm going to get drawn for a three minute spot. They gave him a spot. They gave him stage time, but he still had to be funny for them to give him stage time again, because even at the comedy store, if you're a celebrity and you suck, there's only, they're only going to give you so many chances to prove yourself. And if you're right. not, you're not going to get to keep going up because you're taking up stage time from people that are funny and you have paying customers in there. And I try to tell those guys, I'm like, there's no shortcut. It's a long game. Comedy is a long game. And that's why people drop out. These young guys drop out so fast because they want a quick fix. And uh, just because you think somebody is an overnight I said, go back and look. Go back and do your research. And I guarantee you, you'll find they've been doing comedy for a while. Yeah, like Vic was saying, he's been doing it for 40 years. It took, uh, you know, 10 years ago now where he finally he was in the game for 30 years before he became an overnight success. He did a, he had a he had a short go viral. Yeah. He had a video go viral. But he had to keep grinding away and right. putting up those videos. That's what my son told me. If I keep putting up the YouTube shorts cons consistently, I'm on this roll now where I've been putting them up for almost a month straight, right? Some of them aren't even funny, but the ones that are getting the most views are the ones where I bomb. They're all right. new jokes. And my son says, if you just keep putting them up, at some point, the odds are that one of them is going to go viral. Yeah. Yes. Uh, part of that is titling and all this stuff. But it, what, what yeah. helped him, and I'm still, all these years later, I still can't figure out Reddit. But Reddit is what, uh, what helped him go viral. And I think it, if somebody knows the marketing aspect of that, how you get people to share it on Reddit, yeah. and then if, that's what helped him go viral. So I think that that's an, if anybody knows that stuff, but share not, that info. Yeah, I'm not doing it because I'm trying to get famous overnight or anything. I'm doing it for like two reasons. For One, one reason is because I, I figured out it was a way that would force me to write jokes every day. Because every joke I do on there is like I wrote 10 on Saturday and Sunday and did them at open mic. I did 12 at open mic on Monday. Most of them were horrible, right? <laughs> but on my but I I I I disclose on my YouTube page that I'm post, I'm trying to show the process. I'm trying to show new jokes 
when you first do them that sometimes they work and sometimes they don't and what could go wrong and, and things like that. So that forces me to write jokes that I normally wouldn't. I don't do topical stuff. So I write topical jokes for this thing. And the other thing is uh, it exposes people to my comedy. You yeah. Know, they might see that and then I, they can see the link to my um, website or whatever and go on there. And then, you know, they can see my real, some of my stuff that I actually do on say, but I'm not posting my stuff that I do now on there. You know, I'm not burning that stuff. Right. So it, it will help me. And a lot of the times uh, when you send your video off, they'll ask you, Hey, yeah, what's your, what are your social media accounts? Right. They just want to see people. And I'm telling you, man, I, I know this is a joke, relatively speaking, because you got Mark Norman and these guys, they'll post, a, he could post a short today and they'll get a million views on it or whatever. Right. Man, but I, only in the last handful of months, I'm up to a quarter million views on there right now. That's that's great stuff, you know. Uh, my friend Cat was, uh, and I I celebrate her success. She was celebrating seventy five hundred views on one of the cover songs that she produced. And, yeah. But after she said that, she in her tweet she said, "Still no money. I got to get a job." And I was just thinking, because she's doing one song a week, one cover song a week, uh, and so I I wanted to say this. I did not say it in public, but if you're doing one a week and you're getting, you have to every week, every month, so that's four a month. Every, yeah. all four of those have to do 7,500 uh, uh, views on it a month for, and then every single month they have to get that. And then at the end of the year, you will get a check for, uh, you will have accumulated $8 worth of earnings, but because you're doing, <laughs> you're doing cover material the original artists are going to take 90 percent of that yeah. so 90 percent of your eight dollars uh yeah. don't you're ne never going to make money on youtube doing that <laughs> but i don't yeah but i don't I, and i'm not doing i don't have i, don't, I know i'm I not know. doing it for money but when I, the thing that's the point i'm trying to make is uh goes back to one of the things you, you were talking about we were first talking about a while back making it Right. Yeah. Making it. What constitutes making it? Well, I don't think you ever make it if you're actually pursuing a, an art or a craft. You never make it. You're always in pursuit of the next thing. Right. But for me, uh, I sit there and I think, you know, I went from uh, no one unless someone showed up at a, a show. No one was really seeing my comedy or whatever to now my comedy has been viewed a quarter of a million times. Right. Somebody, by somebody. Right. Good. That's so, great stuff. And yeah. it, it definitely, you know, it, it, it helps. And it, there's a couple of uh, residual uh, effects out of that. It helps uh, for, to get even some new bookings and all that kind of stuff. You can always use that as a resume piece, but it also inspires you to do better all the time. The, the more people, uh appreciate what you do the more it inspires you as, as an artist to keep creating just on the making of thing katie hannigan who was on the program who i think is uh i you know pretty big to do in, yeah, to, yeah. she said uh i made the mistake of telling my landlord i'm in the arts and now every time he sees me he's like let me know when you make it big yeah. <laughs> and she said don't worry steve you're the first person i'll, I'll be giving notice to meeting her landlord um yeah, and I, you know, 
making it that that, I, that was my first thought like what is making it if you're because she works in uh, seven nights a week or she could work even before pandemic she was working seven nights a week now she's slowed down a little bit but still works whenever she wants to to me if, if you're paying your bills and you're doing what you love that's that's a definition of success to me and i don't care what you don't have to be to- i think i think for most people no matter what you do sports or arts or business whatever it is or being a parent or whatever um i think success or happiness or making it whatever you want to call it is just being acknowledged being right. acknowledged for what you're trying to do you're yeah. trying to be a good parent you're trying to be a musician you're trying to be a comedian or whatever being acknowledged and the only way you're acknowledged well you can be acknowledged for being a bad one too but i mean you want to be acknowledged for uh for putting the effort in for being for improving for you know like i said my whole if someone said what is your ultimate goal uh, you know, it's not to be on the Tonight Show. It's not to be uh, have my own private jet flying from show to show and show. It's to walk into a comedy club, and people say that motherfucker's funny. That's all I want. That's all I want. Yeah. It's for people to say, you know, that's all I want. Yeah, but the thing about it is, it's a drug because that's all you want, and I appreciate that because I feel exactly the same way. But once you get it, you gotta have it again. And oh yeah, it, 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 that's why I said you never make it. Yeah, you never make it. You want to get funnier, but that's right. good because that that's a drive or motivation for you to continue. It's just like fitness when you start off and you start from zero, and you're thinking, oh man, I just want to lose ten pounds, or I just want to do a five k, and then you get hooked. Right. And then you're like, oh, I want to do a 10K. And then, and well, that's great. But so I've been doing it for a long time. And psychologically, it gets to a point where you, you get to a point where you, you burn out at some right. point. If you don't, if, if, but you never make it, you can always get better. You can get faster. You can get stronger. And you can always improve in some way. But the more you do it, there's a pyramid. Right. At the bottom of the pyramid, you see huge improvements when you first start out. But like as a musician or whatever, the closer you keep to the time, as you keep improving and moving up, then your improvement increments are much smaller and it becomes way harder to improve. It becomes way harder to write a a joke that sets yourself apart because you're always, now you're writing really good jokes. Now you got to write a better joke. Right. And and it becomes more difficult. And I think that's why people, uh, that's why they drop out and burn out is because it gets so hard that you can't do it. I agree. Um, are you aware there's a show on uh, Netflix called "Thank You for Your Service"? I haven't seen it. It's a no, what's it about? Uh, obviously, it's uh, some somebody. I have not seen it. Uh, I saw it yesterday. I was scrolling through to, to and find stuff, and I saw that one. I thought of you immediately. Uh, thank you for your service. It's a military uh, story, I guess. Oh, but I have to figure I, it out. Yeah, I know it's part yeah, of the brand, which is I didn't create the phrase. <laughs> no, I know that. Yeah. But, but I, is, I got me on video doing it for a couple of years. So. And it is your your brand, your comedic brand is, is uh, thank you for your service anyway. Uh, just lastly, before I let you go, there's a, I'm just looking at this. Uh, I got caught into some clickbait. Scientists dig to the center of the earth. They find something unexpected. And there's this whole story. And it, it, I'm scared to find that. But they never reveal exactly what it is that freaked them out the scientists oh, oh, this giant hole to the center of the earth like 
wait a minute, this is not a, a good thing. You shouldn't be drilling down to the center of the earth. Haven't you seen science fiction stuff? But they never get to the thing that freaked them out. They never t- <laughs> tell you about what it is. It's, 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 I want to know. Maybe I don't want to know. Maybe it'll be uh, too scary to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be some virus, man. Or it's like a, we never learn the lessons from science fiction. Don't fuck with nature. Don't fuck with outer space. Don't fuck with you know bringing African bees over to mix with honeybees. All these things are are documented in in the worst science fiction movies. Don't fuck with them. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know the journey to the center of the earth wasn't scary enough. We have to go through this shit. Uh, hey, there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a lot more of that though with the uh, the writers and the actor strike. We're gonna see a lot more CGI, and that's that's where all that science fiction comes from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I was thinking last night about that that strike? It's the the movies that are out now that are just coming out now that were, were produced a year ago. Those actors are still getting paid. They're getting their residuals. They're getting their checks now. It's really hard to be on the not hard for yeah. them personally to be on a picket line and know that the guy next to you is just got a check for five million dollars and well, he's out there and you well that's get- what you know I was thinking about that last night too was one who in, who the hell cares whether or not the actors are I mean because our perception is that they're all millionaires anyway it's not true all actors aren't millionaires but here's what I was thinking was the um, so, you know, say so you got the the guy Tom Cruise, I think it was in twenty twenty and twenty two whatever, made a hundred million dollars just on his acting salary, right? If they're so worried about the acting industry and stuff like that, why don't they do like why don't they take a page from sports? What happens when Tom Brady wants to win a Super Bowl in my in Tampa? What did Tom Brady have to do? He took a pay cut. So other actors could get, so other athletes could get paid more, and they could bring people in to produce a better product, right? Right. Well, why don't some of these people making thirty, forty, fifty million dollars for a movie take a pay cut and spread some of the wealth so some of the other actors make a little money? They could do that. They could definitely do that. I, the biggest uh, point of contention is how much the executives are making for doing uh, basically phone calls. Like, yeah, well, uh, uh, half a billion dollars a year salary. The, I think the top, they listed the top executives uh, the other day, and they have $500 million a year salary. Every year, getting a half a billion every year uh, seems like a nice job. If you can get I'll, it. Take it. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I don't want that much. Hey, actually, after taxes, I might already have it, right? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll let you go check your Powerball numbers. I'm sure uh, we'll never hear from you again. No, I was going to say, my, <laughs> my current email and phone number will not be operational <laughs> after, after today, man. Well, uh, thank you for your service anyways. It's great to have you here. I wasn't sure you were coming on today. I, I hadn't heard from you in a couple of days, but it's good to see you. Good to see you. And, uh, uh, just a, a program, you know, tomorrow night, I'm going to be on Donversations uh, Don with Don Phil at 8 p.m. tomorrow night. I'll share the link on that. I will be the guest, and he'll be interviewing me. So uh-huh. we'll we'll see about that. Anyway, uh, I hope we'll, hope we'll we see you next Thursday, man. I'll be here. All right. I'll have some news to share. I, actually, right. I'll be, that'll be the night after I do the show up in Durham. So. All right, cool. Hey, tell, well, your, tell your brother to show up if he's feeling good. 
I will. I'll definitely let him know. I think I, I, I have been mentioning uh, you to him. Uh, he hasn't been doing well. Bring him a T-shirt. Yeah. With the, you know what? I was wearing your T-shirt, and a lot of people were commenting on it. Uh, I get a lot of that, man. People don't even, they don't even give a shit about the comedy part. They just say, hey, man, where are you getting a T-shirt? I'm like, right. And they can get those T-shirts at robertaylorcomedy.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go there right now and, and yeah. check it out. Anyway, thank you for your service. Have a great day, and we'll see yeah, you man. next Have week. Have a good weekend. All right. Bye for now. Well, I'm uh, that's another story I'll have to wait for another day. I'll look into that and, and see if we can find out what the hell they found that freaked them out. Uh, and uh, the other Joe Rogan clip basically just quickly summarize the other Joe, Joe Rogan clip, he was talking about cults with this guy, Mark Anderson, who he's talking about California cults. And Mark Anderson at some point was talking about the internet element of cult leaders and people latch on to these really influential people and treat them like cult leaders. And that went straight over Rogan's head. Like, uh, he, didn't, he didn't realize the conversation was about him at that point, which I find... Uh, a little bit ironic since most of the time he will get really defensive if people don't acknowledge who he is or his influence and stuff like that. So it's just, it's just a curious thing. Anyway, uh, out of time today, well out of time, overtime here. Uh, thanks for hanging around. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Let Write to me at info at minddogtv.com. Again, I will be on with Don Sill tomorrow night, Conversations with Don Sill. Uh, and I will share that link. I hope you will check that out and be part of it. I don't know. I'm on the fence about whether I'm actually doing a show tomorrow uh, for Coffee with the Dog. I uh, could use a day off. Don't have a guest scheduled, so I might just take the day off, but I'll make that decision later today. If you don't if you don't see any link, don't click on it. That's the way it, it works around here. Anyway, have a great rest of your day, and don't forget to turn on your radio. Bye for now.
listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me